What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. So you wouldn't work for me if you were an agent? Oh, you think I'll fall for this, and then you'll laugh in my face. I'm serious, Lloyd. You just showed me balls I didn't know you had. So that speech made you believe I should be an agent? I believed it before you got here. Terrence apologized to me. I... I'm sorry, Lloyd. I still think you're fucking with me. Go check your office. It's supposed to say agent. It's beginning to look a lot like Entourage. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Hickey, coming to you from Palm Springs, California. We did it. We made it. We're at the finish line. Season 6, episode 12, Div a Little Bit, the finale that everyone knows and loves, everyone's been talking about, an extra special length episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah this week. I called this episode the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah holiday party because I wanted to have fun with it. So I had two of my favorite guests on, Mike Tamerlindo and Kyle Banduho. You guys know them both well. They've both been on five episodes of this podcast. We got a little toasty, cracked some drinks, and uh, talked about this episode. Went super deep into a bunch of random topics, including The Office, Matt Damon, whether or not Vinny Chase is a good actor, whether or not this should have been the finale of Entourage. It's fantastic. It's an over two-hour long conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And then at the very end, I had our friend Fraser Tharp on, the senior entertainment editor at G2, to go a little bit more in-depth about the music you hear in this episode, the music of Entourage in general, and again, that theory that was originally his, I think, that this should have been the series finale of Entourage. Quick programming notes. I brought this podcast back in mid-July, and it is now the end of 2022. I've ripped off 23 straight weeks, 23 straight episodes, and we're now at the end of season six. So what I'm planning on doing is taking a little break. Not as long as I did before with the two-year hiatus. That is not my intention. I do want to take probably four, maybe five weeks off. Planning on coming back with the show sometime in February. I need to look at my own schedule and see what made sense to just drop it all in a row. I don't want there to be missed weeks. I don't want to like lose any steam. I need a break. This is a lot of work, believe it or not. Editing, producing, recording, scheduling. It's a ton. And uh, this thing doesn't make any money anymore. This has definitely been a labor of love. And I just want to make sure my batteries are recharged so we can finish this thing strong. There are only 18 episodes of Entourage left. 10 in season 7 and 8 in season 8. I'm not going to leave those hanging. I, I'm so I'm too close at this point. But just want to reset, figure out some new stuff for next season and the season after. If you guys have any ideas for how I can make those two seasons a little bit more fun, because it's going to be tough. I don't want to be negative every single episode about some of the things that happen. But as I think a lot of us know, those two seasons are a tough hang. So much like how this season with Ashley, I was trying to avoid being super negative about her. Every episode, I need to figure out a way to not be super negative about some of the plot contrivances of Season 7 and Season 8. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can follow me at it on Instagram and Twitter. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's a nice, nice, long, action-packed episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. Hopefully you can digest it in small parts over the course of your holiday commute. 
Happy holidays. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. I'm glad to be doing this, and I will talk to you guys at some point in the spring. Enjoy. Welcome to the first ever Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Christmas party. In attendance, we have the only two members of the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Five-Timers Club. We have the host of Bid Screen Sports and Freenom to the Farm and the brilliant mind behind 60-second classics. Kyle Banduho and Mike Tamerlando, welcome back to the Entourage Podcast. I forgot to wear my smoking jacket. <laughs> well, we did. you did give us a heads up to pour ourselves a drink, so we have some drinks here. That's right, we do. Uh, I'm pumped to be on, and first, uh, first three-way podcast for us, gents. This for is, me. Yeah, this for is me. the first time we've all, we've all linked up together on, on one show. We've had we've had little one night stands each other, but this is our first, this is probably one of the first three way oh yeah oh yeah episodes. It's always just been me and a guest, and we were just talking off mic like this is so much better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just so, so much, much more like loose and relaxed. And so what are we what, what are we drinking, boys? Mike, what do you got in front of you? Uh, I have a Guinness. Uh, cracked it out of a can. It's got one of those nice little uh, you know nitrogen things that goes. Oh yeah. So then you pour it nicely, and I I have it poured into a beautiful. Uh, Narragansett glass. It says, Ooh. have a Gansett. And I got this for free at a bar. Just living the dream over here. That's so Northeast. That <laughs> you just don't, let your, don't let your newborn find that nitrogen capsule <laughs> on the ground. Yeah, I've been cutting them out and collecting them. I'm making, <laughs> uh, making things out of them. Crash, what do we got? Uh, I, I made myself a Manhattan uh, because I, I did not have any beer and I was not going to open a bottle of wine. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It's uh it's tasty. I don't remember the name of the whiskey, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's delicious. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with it. I'll give it like a 7.2 out of 10. I'm pleased that you're both here. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. This is, this, is, this is one of the best episodes of Entourage, in my opinion. You're, our, you're my two favorite guests on the show. No one, is, no one is higher than the other. We're all equals here. Uh, I currently have a high noon in front of me. It's a Thursday night. We're recording this about 10 days before you're listening to it, and I'm having a little get together at my place tomorrow night, and there will be whiskey cocktails pouring, so... I don't want to overdo it with what the are you whiskey. Ha- what are you having? Is this like a theme? It's not a high party? noon. I'm just, you know. Hold no, on, no. Par- are you listeners. having a party? Just no. Just like a dinner thing. Like another couple's coming by. You know you, what it is. You're like, in your mid-30s. That's yeah, a party. Dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, four people? Yeah. Well, I think I only know six people in Palm Springs. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's if you have double the amount of people that live in your house, it becomes a party. Yeah. Bedtime. Well, with my dog, we still outnumber them. Guys, we have a lot to get to today. A lot to get to. For some reason, this episode of Entourage is considered two episodes, even though there's no like break point. It's literally considered episode 12 and 13 of season six. No clue why. Is it really? Yeah. It's like in IMDb on the HBO thing. I don't, I don't understand it, and I'm not going to question it because I don't work for HBO. Uh, Give a little bit. It originally aired on Sunday, October 4th, 2009. Quick IMDb trivia facts for you both. This is both the longest episode of Entourage and the highest rated of the entire series. This episode is 37 minutes long, which is hilarious that it's the longest episode of Entourage. (laughs) Because 37 minutes is a short episode of any television show in 2022. Yeah, it's... I was kind of... I was expecting, because I... you know, listen, my employer's not listening. I watched this while I was working and I was like trying to budget in budget in the time in my day. And I was like, and I was like, you know, it's going to be less than 30 minutes, like for sure. And I was trying to figure out when to do it. I was like 37 minutes. This is astronomically long for an entourage episode. <laughs> so much happens in this episode. Mike, you were telling us, you know, I just said it's the highest rate of the series. 
not one of your favorite episodes of Entourage. Don't spoil it, but we'll we'll get into the details. You just you just weren't vibing with it as much as Kyle and I were, huh? You know when you like go out to dinner with a, with some people and you you get out of the restaurant and you're you're waiting for everyone to be like, yeah, that was kind of whatever, and everyone's like, that was fucking awesome, and you're like, oh okay, <laughs> that's what, that's what you and Kyle were doing beforehand. So now I'm like questioning myself. I'm like, maybe it was awesome. I don't know. Uh, no, it wasn't. I don't think it was bad. There was some uh, good moments, but. I don't know. I, I have some other favorites. I we'll get into it. We'll get but we'll, we'll no, definitely I, we'll get into every single part of this episode on today's episode. I texted you about this, but so when you sent you told us we were doing the Matt Damon episode or whatever, but when yeah. you sent over something, it said uh, Fuck, season six the wrong episode day. twelve, but it but which is right, but then it says buried alive. Fuck, so then I just went I to the did. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> I went to the Buried Alive one, and I'm halfway through. I'm like, where the fuck is Matt Damon? <laughs> I'm like, this is not this is not the right episode. And then I, I double-checked, and I'm like, oh, thankfully, because that episode this, – this episode was way better than that episode. Let's just say oh, that. That's on me. I've no. dropped the ball after 85 episodes. I sent the wrong labeled run sheet out to you guys. I'm glad it was with you guys and not, you know, someone who's bid time. You fuck up when you send us stuff. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. It was a regular episode of Entourage. So halfway through is only like nine minutes. So I was like, all right, I'm, it doesn't really matter. I'll just move on. Appreciate that. Okay. So let's let's talk about Sunday, October 4th, 2009. I love to ask this question. Where were you on this date? Kyle, let's start with you. Where were you in the fall of 09? Fall of my freshman year of college. Uh, I think it was at that point where I was still like, fuck this. I'm going to transfer. I'm not happy here. I'm going to leave this place. You know, five years later, I graduated from that same place. But yeah, uh, you know, learning pretty quickly that I was probably going to redshirt, was not was not going to play that spring. Um, learning how to drink beer. Where were you guys on beer before you got to college? I, I'm not trying to be like some like tough guy but i drank so much beer in high school and i was i but so by the time i got to i think i come I, there was a lot of alcoholics in my town i grew up in massachusetts <laughs> there was like a lot of cold winter drinking yeah it was it was so but I, when i got to college i was kind of like you know hey like i'm into something else let's read some books man you know i was over it i was over it uh but yeah man I, you know freshman year there were a lot of people. They were drinking beer, but a lot of people in my college were drinking because it was hard to get booze. A lot of people were drinking like those red solo cups with like just Captain Morgan's like halfway up the thing. Yep, so a that, lot of that shit happening. That's what that I, was the same I, with me. Yeah, I was like, it was like whiskey and Coke was the only yeah. thing I could oh, drink yeah. to get drunk. Beer was a very acquired taste for me. So like October fourth, like I was trying to figure out how to love <laughs> beer, which is yeah. important. I'm the same as you, Crash. I was like drinking like rum and cokes and high school like vodka cranberries things i just heard like my mother order <laughs> yeah. and like was like oh these are what you put together to, and and i thought beer was gross yeah and now when you think about the benefits of drinking beer for a long time over how you know a lifetime it's it's fun okay and mike where were you october 09 i was in new york city i was two years out of college i'm a couple couple years older than you boys kyle i think everybody did everybody want to tra transfer a freshman year of college i get i know yours was baseball related but yeah so mine was i was just like, like a small shitty school so yeah it was, it was that but I, I, I don't know i feel like i was kind of like yeah i don't know if i'm into this and like i guess you have those people who are love it and they go off the rails and shit but i was kind of like whatever anyway uh yeah 2009 living in the upper east side i think in, in manhattan i was living with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, it's been a long ride, nice good gentleman, and uh, my my roommate from college. So the three of us were living in an apartment, and it was fun. Was we it were, a walk up? It was a 
dude, was it fifth floor walk up? <laughs> but, but but we had access to the roof, uh, which we used like three times. I bet so, when you moved was, in too, it was like it was like, oh man, we're gonna like the roof. We got access to the roof. Yeah, this yeah. is gonna be sick. We're gonna be up here every weekend, and then you never use it. No, never. <laughs> By the time you got to the fifth floor, you're like, I'm fucking done, dude. I'm not going up <laughs> any more stairs. So you know what's funny? I don't think I've ever actually said where I was this time period on any of these episodes. I always ask my desk, and I'll just quickly do it. I was a junior in college, living in downtown Chicago, juggling an internship at a TV station, a job at Maggiano's Little Italy, which my aunt started, the first Maggiano's uh, in River North Chicago. I was delivering plates of pasta at like you know noon to businesses all over the Chicago area, and I was. Uh, Dating a girl who would uh, ruin my life for the last two years of college. Hell and, um, yeah, brother. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just one of those things that I look back on and have literal PTSD. And, and that's where I was. And I was watching Entourage in my first apartment. And I remember watching this episode so distinctly. I remember where I was. I remember the feeling that this season of Entourage was good, not great. I hope they can pull it together for the finale. <laughs> and boy, did they ever. So, I have a couple of on this dates. One for each of you and one for both of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to do this quickly. Kyle, we talked about this when I had you on earlier this season for one car, two car, red car, blue car, which was about two months ago at this point. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to me and Kyle talk about Turtle's uh, 30th birthday and his you know birthday blues. So, this date, this actual date, October 4th, was the final day of the Major League Baseball regular season. And the Minnesota Twins beat the Kansas City Royals 13-4, to which means that the Twins and the Tigers finished for a tie for the Central Division, which meant that two days later, the Twins had to play a one-game playoff at the Metrodome, which will be the last regular season game there ever. The Twins became the first team in MLB, MLB history to play a one-game playoff two straight years, and the Twins won that game in 12 innings on Alexi Casillas' game-winning hit, scoring Carlos, Carlos Gomez. Gomez. So that is, to this date, the the best twins game I've ever seen, like the happiest I've ever been uh, yep. because they are on, I believe what is a 19 game playoff losing streak. Um, something like that. The odds are completely against it. It's, it's insane. But yeah, that, that was the happiest I was. And then like, I go to baseball practice and talk about I'm the only twins fan on the team. And it's like, <laughs> nobody fucking cares kid. Like In the middle of Texas. go carry the balls. <laughs> and I, before all the listeners chime in, I realized that me and Kyle did this exact on this date when he was on two months ago. But I if I, if I can fun. get more time to talk about game yes. 163, I will do it. The fact that it happened like two days after this episode dropped is why I had to bring it up again. It's almost too coincidental. Yeah. Mike, for you, three days later, Thursday, October 8th, a two-part episode of the sixth season of the American comedy series The Office aired. The episode was called Niagara, and it revolved oh. around the wedding of Jim and Pam at Niagara Falls. Not everything goes smoothly for Jim and Pam, because Jim accidentally reveals Pam's pregnancy to all the guests, including Pam's very old-fashioned grandmother, and Andy injures his penis while <laughs> dancing, <laughs> while Michael and Dwight hook up with women with mixed results. Niagara has been considered one of the classic episodes of the series in, an, in a poll conducted by Office Tally, which I guess is a website. For Office fans, the episode was named the second best episode of the series all time after the second season finale, Casino Night. What is your all-time favorite Office episode, Mike? Oh man, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm Sorry. not going to be able Sorry to think of it. But I think that's probably where. Speaking of like where Entourage kind of dips, I, that's probably yeah. where The Office dips too. I, I was going to say like The Office could have ended after that one. Yeah, that, that's yep. probably it. Uh, 
the, first, the office went on for four more long seasons yeah. after that too tough uh the second and third seasons of the office are just like amazing i, I feel yep. like anything in there you can't really go wrong uh first season's funny but it's like different it's michael yep. scott is obviously an they idiot. wrote they wrote him as like an idiot who you shouldn't like and then after the first season they're like well what if we made him like kind of like like him like like you should like kind of like him which it probably was better for the long run is sure. the exact same Exact same trajectory with Parks and Rec. I think like the Office's yeah. first season was better than Parks and Rec's first season. Like I think you can totally skip Parks and Rec's first season, but like it got better after that once they figured out exactly what what people want out of those characters. Parks and Rec for me is one of the only comedies that like got consistently better. As like I think it finished yeah. on, on a high note. Although I like to say, don't sleep on those last two seasons of The Office. Like once the whole like Michael transitionary boss thing goes by, and it's just like the supporting cast, it's not bad. It's not a bad two seasons of television. It's not as good as The Office in its heyday, but yeah, yeah. I, I, it's it's. I don't know even know if I originally stuck with it. I, I did go back and watch. I think it kind of loses what what made The Office good was that it was like this mundane office where the, yeah. it, it just became so plot heavy. Where yeah. which is fine. I mean, the same with Entourage. Like. You, you make so many episodes. I don't know what the fuck you're supposed to do in season seven, eight. And The Office was making probably 20-something episodes a season. Like, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Finding plausible conflict is tough when you're, like, The the Office, a lot of it was the Jim and Pam, will they, won't they, was, like, what mm-hmm. a lot of this show hung on. And then random side plots. And once that was done, it was like, oh, we don't really have a purpose anymore. And the whole thing with this was, like, the come up for Vince and like you can have one big fall, but in, in Hollywood, you really only get one, maybe two truly big falls before it's like, we don't care anymore. People are, people are pretty much done with you unless you're like crazy talented, which you can, you can debate if we think Vince was actually crazy talented. Well, I think uh, the inclusion of Matt Damon in this episode exposes a couple of flaws in Vince's (laughs) uh, acting, but really quick. And I, I, by the way, Tyler, I appreciate you trying to just back on track. But I want to talk about The Office for one more second. Hell yeah, I'm going to just steer you in the wrong direction all episode. So. <laughs> no, so as a lot of listeners know, and as both of you guys know, I'm a creative director at an ad agency. I write TV commercials and a bunch of stupid marketing things. The other creative director who is a writer, we're based in L.A., but like we don't really have an office, was a staff writer on The Office. That's sick. It was like his job in his 20s. And his portfolio or his reel, as you would, like I have a website where I have all the commercials I've written on, and that's how I sell myself. His reel is just scenes that he wrote from the <laughs> office. It's like Jim and Dwight in the conference room, Dwight and Daryl in the warehouse, and they just he's like, and here's every episode I wrote on, and he lists like 48 episodes from seasons two, three, four, and five. And it's wild to me that he now has to work an advertising job selling crap to people <laughs> because he said to me, he's like, yeah, dude, that didn't pay the bills. Like it was a good job. But I don't get like crazy residuals from it anymore, and like I have a kid, and I'm gonna have another kid, and now I gotta do this. Congrats to him on the sex twice over. It's huge. Well, I was, I was, it was funny. I was talking about that today uh, about like how there was a time where if you're a TV writer, you're like you work on a show and you're like crush it and you work. But now, even now, it's like that guy. I'm sure he could get on other shows, but they're like, oh, the writers' rooms for like seven weeks. It's for like maybe ten episodes. It's like such this yeah. different thing. So, so here's twelve grand. Shout out, cool. yeah. Shout yeah. out to that guy for, for uh, maybe I'll start doing that to try to get work. Just like posting scenes of like The Office and be like, yeah, I wrote, I wrote this. <laughs> 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 what are you gonna do? Check. Come on. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Check. 
<laughs> All right, so here's my on this date for both of you. Just nine days later, October 15, 2009, a homemade helium-filled gas balloon shaped to resemble a flying saucer was released in the atmosphere above Fort Collins, Colorado by Richard and Mayumi Heen. They claimed that their six-year-old son, Falcon, was trapped inside it. <laughs> Authorities confirmed the balloon reached 7,000 feet during its 90-minute flight, and the event attracted worldwide attention, and Falcon was nicknamed Balloon Boy in the media. <laughs> Have we checked on him recently? I'm doing that right now. He showed up recently. So that's one where nobody will admit that they believed it. You know, yeah. it's like everyone's like, oh, no, I didn't fuck. I, and I, even right now, I'm like, I don't think I believed it. But I think there there was a minute where I was like, dude, look at this. There's a balloon. There's a kid in that balloon. Like, there's a kid in that balloon. <laughs> I, I watched it. Man, they, they, got, they got fucking pardoned in 2000. What was the point of it? Fuck they that. were both ex-reality TV stars looking to garner favor with the public. Uh, the kid was hiding in the attic of the house. And when they went on Good Morning America the next day and they said, how did it feel to be up in that balloon? He was like... Dad told me to do it to get on TV. <laughs> and oh, he was God. like, I was hiding in the ad. The kid, the kid who was six, like, didn't know how to lie. So he exposed all of them. And then they got sentenced to jail. 90 days in jail for the husband. He had to pay $36,000 in restitution. And then Mayumi, the wife, was sentenced to 20 days of weekend jail. Weekend jail <laughs> sounds worse than 90 days weekend in jail. Weekend jail is Damn, bad, yeah. That's the opposite of working for the weekend. <laughs> not I'm, a little bit of quick google research not a not a whole lot going on with uh with our guy falcon heaney that's tough i mean that's got to be good for your dating profile like yeah. i was balloon i was boy balloon boy movies. what up yeah. like come on all over the world at least you, you're gonna have something to talk about in first date like i haven't been on a first date in a while but it, like i feel like the big struggle is finding finding some commonality or finding something to talk about like at the very least like you can yeah, you know, I was balloon boy. Here's some stuff happens. This is what I did <laughs> while my parents were in the can. Like, you're at least interesting for a little bit. Yeah, you didn't actually do anything wrong as balloon boy. You didn't perpetuate the lie. You just followed your parents. Yeah. On his dating profile, he's got to have screenshots from that shit. Right? I'm just saying if I walked into a party and Michael Jordan was on one side of the room and balloon boy was on the <laughs> other, I'm going to balloon boy. I'm going to talk to balloon boy and see what's up. Mike, a 60-second classics about balloon boy would do numbers. Oh, yeah. It's just a nostalgia piece. Let's be That's honest. That's true. But I always, I always uh, am worried about like I'm like, did this is this person like alive? Is he okay? Yeah. Like I don't want, I, I just don't want did some of the research. Be... Seems like he's yeah. alive, so I think okay. you're good for now. You might want to get on it before something. Happens. <laughs> I, I can't do a video. And then like the third person in the comments like actually, and they send me a link. And I'm like, ah, God, I gotta delete this. All that work. I know. Quick recap of this episode of Entourage. It's not that quick, so take a a sip of your drink. I think we should make this Uh, a three-hour episode. I know I said I got a hard out, but I'm in on this now. Yeah. Once the beer hits. Dude, I'm I'm so happy. (laughs) Once it it hits your lips, it's so good. Once it hits your lips. (laughs) We are doing this across three time zones. You have kids. It's a a feat of strength that we're all even here right now. This This is great. Quick recap. With Vince leaving for Italy the next day, drama is the only one free to go with him. At couples counseling, Mrs. Ari objects to Ari using $12 million of her money to buy out the Terrence McEwitt agency, suspecting it's more about revenge than good business. Ari gives an impassioned speech, winning her over. Matt Damon, Bono, and LeBron James guilt Vince into giving a substantial donation to Damon's charity for kids. At the contract signing, Terrence springs a news of an addendum. The new firm must retain the name of the Terrence McEwitt agency, and Ari walks out of the meeting. Drama reconsiders his no to the Melrose audition and tills it but he still gets turned down for being too old. Instead, he gets a holding deal from the network so they can develop a series for him to star in. Eric whisks Sloan away to lunch to profess his love, and she gets furious. She accuses him of not being able to commit, but he insists that this time he's in for real producing an engagement ring. 
When Turtle realizes that even the hot co-ed can't distract him from his feelings for Jamie, he decides to go after her. On the plane to New Zealand, though, he gets a call from her, insisting he not come, and as the plane takes off, he buckles up for a long flight. Meanwhile, Terrence and Ari make peace, and the deal goes through. Then Ari goes postal at Terrence McEwood Agency, paintballing all of the agencies firing and giving Lloyd a reprieve. And when Lloyd goes to tell Ari off, Ari offers an apology and an agent position with an office. Ian Sloan show up to the airport to see Vincent Drama off and announce their engagement. Whew! 37 minutes right there. <laughs> Long episode. Mike, let's start with you. What was your favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? For me, it had. it's usually my favorite moment usually has to do with Johnny Drama. My favorite moment was his speech in the audition. When it's he, so fucking good. It's really so good. good. And it's it's uh him being a good actor he's a really good actor and but and i feel like anyone who's like in any kind of fields where they're up against like a lot of shit like i say the creative field but there's other fields i'm sure yeah and it's like yeah there's, there's so much truth to that where you're like you, you get knocked down a million times but you keep getting up because you have to do it and and uh yeah i feel like i felt like that was a great part of the episode what I don't want anymore is the rejection. 18 years of it has taken its toll. I was on the show once before, and I was on another series for the past 87. Hearing dramas, what, IMDb, his stats, 87 episodes, 140 TV and movie death spots, 16 plays, 39 commercials. We've said this before on this podcast, Kyle. Johnny Drama is an accomplished actor. Oh, yeah. I mean, the it's the sad, like, he's, he's this running punchline for, you know, almost all the series about how he's always broke or, oh, you, you know, you haven't worked in ages or stuff like that. But, like, he is the example of so many actors who have gone out to Hollywood and grinded their ass off for, like, 15 to 20 years. And for some of them, it pays off. They hit it big. They get their five towns or whatever down the road. But for a lot of it, they eat shit. They're the guy from... Uh, who was it? The Cosby Show? Who's like working at Trader Joe's and got got yep. shamed for it? Like there are Alvin. thousands of people like that. <laughs> like, and it, this is—I mean, not to step on the discussion we're going to have later, but this is like the a great rap for Johnny, like a great full circle for the character of Johnny Drama from who we got in season one to who we have now. Like, it is a a really leveled performance from a guy who is rarely ever leveled. Like, it, it's a great moment. It's 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 honesty. He's up there and he's being honest for the first time. He's not he's not overcome with insecurity. He's not trying to just please everyone in the room. He just looks at the director played by Dud Allen, which we'll talk about, and he says the director says, Hey, if you don't want to do this, I mean and he's like, It doesn't matter if I want to, I have to. He's like, This is me. This is what I am. I am an actor and this is my lot in life. It's very, very cool, and it's a very underrated moment in an episode that has so many big swing moments, which We'll get to you, but Kyle, what was your favorite? Uh, and then, sorry, just one. And then you know yeah. what he does after this great heartfelt moment? He turns around and he does like, like he, gets the, <laughs> he does like his acting thing and he brings you back yeah. and you're like, he's still fucking Johnny Drama. So still drama. that was like he's a great like switch right there to be like, oh, there he is. So y- You know who he's really not unlike in that moment is Bill Fickner, who's playing William Fickner, who's playing, oh, playing the guy. Like, who is a guy like Johnny Drama who mm-hmm. had to make his bones on all these supporting and guest roles? for 20 some years like that is who that guy is and fitner is an incredible phil yodota and just like he sticks around through the end of the show mm-hmm. to do the johnny bananas things with him and he's a that guy faces in the crowd mm-hmm. so hard but but he's he's such a welcome presence because he's just got such an air about it. and i love him as a uh i love him as a tv producer in hollywood mm-hmm. he's just like the type of guy i just want to go smoke a joint a joint with is what it, what it feels like yeah You've got a room full of people that are very excited that you changed your mind and decided to come in, Johnny. 
Well, I'm just glad you guys are still willing to see me. Truth is, Phil begged us to see you again, and um, I'm... I'm questioning the reluctance. Are you not feeling this role? No, no, no. Well, what then? Well, for a minute there, I didn't think I wanted this anymore. But then it hit me. What I don't want anymore is the rejection. 18 years of it has taken its toll. I was on the show once before. And I was on another series for the past 87 episodes. I've done over 140 guest spots on TV and other movies. 16 plays, 39 commercials. Yet still, you haven't seen enough to just offer me the part. Still, you make me sing for my supper. Hey, if you don't want to, I mean, you know. Pal, it doesn't matter if I want to. I have to. There you go. That's the spirit. Roll this. Do it, Johnny. Hello! Mike, what is your uh, audition like? tradition what do you do before you audition I have a, oh man i haven't auditioned in a long time but when i when i used to get out there i would uh i would ha i would barely prepare i would barely <laughs> prepare no i would find i would find spots where i could improvise in the script yep. and then uh when they told me to, like really be on book i'd be like i don't i kind of like, <laughs> i'm like I'm not, I'm not gonna get this i don't I only really get, i only really ever booked a couple commercials because they let you do whatever they want in the fucking yep. a lot of them let you do whatever they want but i remember one time i went in for like some tv thing and when you go in for a commercial they usually have it on like a board and you can kind of half read it and half like make some jokes or whatever but i went in for this tv thing once and I had like a whole like page of dialogue and I was like, yeah, I got like most of it. I'll just hold it. And I see like everyone going in, no one's holding anything. Everyone's like on book. And I was like, Oh, I'm so fucked. I'm so <laughs> fucked. So I didn't get that. I'm not a very good actor, but you know, whatever. God bless. And as the guy who's sat in the room for the commercial auditions, which I've done countless times, it's tough because you're yeah. looking from my perspective, you're looking for one exact thing that isn't even what you want. It's what the client or the brand that the commercial is running for wants. They go, we're really trying to, whatever, we're really trying to talk to a certain audience, uh, females who right. are like this and like this. And we'll see everybody, but we're looking for you know, like a very particular person. I feel like so. I almost had a couple Johnny drama moments because the amount of times you go in there and you got a bunch of JRs in there on their laptops, <laughs> not even fucking looking up at you. They're typing yeah. and shit. I'm like, all right, dude, come on. I like to fantasy football trains. Yeah, I took, <laughs> fuck, I took fucking three trains here to be like, anyone got some Coke? Like Coca-Cola? <laughs> so whatever. those commercials you booked, the client essentially told them, like, we need a fucking dude from Massachusetts who <laughs> loves beer. That's what yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kyle, favorite moment. So listen, there's a lot like there's the, the Johnny drama moment. There's some great Ari speeches like there is legitimate depth in this episode. The best moment of the yep. episode is Matt Damon in the credits. It is one of the funniest. <laughs> I, I wrote I wrote it as like an addendum. Like I bet one of them chooses the post credits. It's, it's, it's Matt Damon. It is. And it, it's something with this episode in this episode. Like they bring in they bring in Matt Damon, Oscar nominated actor. Yeah. They Malcolm the they give Malcolm McDowell a lot of time to shine. They give Jeremy Piven a lot of time to shine. And it is a and and Kevin Dillon, it is a clear like great actors can chew up the scene and be be big time and elevate the show. And like having Matt Damon come in and spend a lot of time ne next to Vince, it's like <laughs> You know, it just it's just very clear which one is Matt Damon. And he is I mean, he's fucking incredible in, in this one. Incredible. I want to I want to talk. More. Let's try to save it for the celebrity section, because there are so many fucking celebrities. Yeah, in the episode. Yeah. But 
that post credit scene, Damon's in Haiti, apparently, and leaves a voicemail. The fact that Damon, this is why he's a movie star, he can hold the, the screen, he can captivate your attention, and he can do the roller coaster of emotions from, hey, it's, it's, it's Matt, just haven't gotten that check yet, I'm a little upset, elevates, 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 his top explodes. I don't even think you're a good actor to begin with. Aquaman, Queens Boulevard, <laughs> they stink, they all fucking stink. I don't even believe you have money to give to a foundation. <laughs> Why am I calling you back? It's so good. Again and again and again, you cat sucker. We'll get into this. It's one of my favorite things about Matt Damon that he is willing to do this in in random movies and shit. Like the fucking the the thing in Thor Ragnarok and Thor Love and Thunder. Like the fact that he's just willing to be that guy. He has a great. I mean, an incredible sense of humor about himself. Vince, this is Matt Damon. Listen, I just had a really disturbing phone call with the foundation. It's been a week. I'm in Haiti at the moment. I understand your check has not come. It has not come, Vince. Don't you fucking push me, Vince. Don't push me. Send the check. You do what's right, Vince. You gave me your word. You gave LeBron your word. Let me tell you something, man. I, I, I never even thought you were a fucking good actor. I thought you were terrible. Every, everything I, Aquaman, Queens Boulevard, they stink. They fucking stink. I can't even believe that you have money to give to a foundation, but the fact is that you do, and you gave me your word that you would. So give me the fucking check, Vince! I can't believe I have a fucking Academy Award and I'm calling you back! Again and again and again, you cocksucker! Send me the check! <laughs> hey, Vince, it's Matt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. Um... That was really out of line, and um, I didn't mean that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just a little tired, man, and uh, I'm sorry. But what, is, what is your favorite moment? You will pick something more serious. I don't think it's, it's not that serious, and I was honestly waiting for one of you to pick it, but it's the elevator doors opening and Ari walking through Terrence McHugh Agency <laughs> with the paintball gun. It yeah. is like. How many times have any of us fantasized about doing this at any place? Maybe not shooting with paintballs, but just going through and verbally just like assassinating people. It's just, it's beautiful. And it's a little odd to me when you look back on it that like this has only been a plot for like an episode and a half. Like last week, Terrence comes and is like, I want you to buy my agency. And it's like, oh shit, this agency that Ari used to work at that we haven't heard about in two years is all of a sudden Ari's main focus. So that I guess gives it a little bit of a short runway. But it's just, it's just so good. He even, like, tees it up in that business meeting with Terrence when they're signing the papers. He said, I cannot wait to stalk through this office and eradicate people Terminator <laughs> style. And he literally does that. Literally he does it Terminator in. style. Jesse, how you been? Oh, I've been. Shoot some six times in the chest. <laughs> Great. I'm back, and you're fired. It's good. It's one of those, it lives on. It's, you know, it's a diff. It's all over Twitter. Like, people share it often. You can't deny it. You can't deny it's, like, longevity, that scene, in my opinion. Jesse, how have you been? I've been... Great. I'm back, and you're fired. Hello, all. No need to run. Your fates have already been sealed. You're safe. Oh, my God. You're safe, for now. Hello, nice to see you. Who's your best client? Um... I, I represent John and Kate Plus 8. Where are you, Davey? All right, I'm already packing to save myself the indignity. That's too bad. Ari, Jesus Christ! 
Mr. Lee knew that you were coming, Mr. Gold. He decided not to wait for your arrival. Now, why don't I believe you? Now, Lloyd, maybe you're not here. Maybe you are. Either way, you have nothing to fear because I'm not going to kill you. I love you. You see, even though you betrayed me, you were the best slave that I ever had. I mean, who could possibly replace the way that you picked up my dry cleaning? No one. Who could better the way you picked up my dog's shit? And if I liked short, fat men sucking on my dick, I'm sure that no one could do it better than you either. So, return to the king, or exile yourself from this town forever. You have until the end of the day tomorrow to agree to be rebranded mine. It's, it's really good. It just... Everything, Ari is, I mean, we have the Piven where he is the crazy guy with the paintball gun and that stuff, but we have depth. Like one of my honorable mentions for my favorite moment was the the speech he gives in marriage counseling. Like the, oh, it, it's good it. business speech. Like it's one, I think about that all, that's one of the things I still think about from the show and take from the show. It is an incredible performance and Perry Reeves and that's it. We'll get into that. But. Yeah, Christ. we'll talk about that scene a little bit more, but yeah, the it's just good goddamn business is 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 good. Okay, hold on a sec. Let me reach into my cooler. A second high noon. Oh hell yeah! Why not, why not like five here? Uh, <laughs> I know I need another beer. I only brought one beer here. Okay, bros being bros. We talked about our favorite bros being bros moment every week. That's just moments of authentic male friendship. I started with Mike last time. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, turtle lying to his friends about sleeping with a girl <laughs> that, uh, that hits that tracks. There's not, not a whole lot more to that. That, uh, that is very bros being bros. No, but this is good. This is one I didn't think of. This is like, it's very honest or just, or even embellishing how it went mm-hmm. with a girl. You know what I mean? Cause we've all been insecure losers in the bedroom, but we don't, oh, dude, I fucking, oh yeah. It. Crushed it. Crushed it. <laughs> Time of her life, man. Oh, she loved it. <laughs> You're like the guy from Office Space. Show me your O face. Oh. (laughs) You guys were right. I feel like a new man. Tell us about it. I don't kiss and tell. Come on, give us something. Like what? Like, was she a squirter? You are disgusting. What's up, guys? Yo, what's up? He's disgusting. Turtle got laid last night. By the co-ed? Really? Was it that unbelievable? No, I mean, I just thought Jamie, you know. He's over her. Guy got back on the horse and performed like a man. I'm impressed. How are things going with you? Well, Sloan agreed to have lunch with me. Where Eve will perform like a woman. Shut up. <laughs> so what are you going to say? I want to tell her I want to get back together. you said that before, haven't you? So you don't think it'll work? No. Well, I don't really want relationship advice from you anyway, Drum. Well, I'm not really giving you relationship advice, eh? Because you and Sloan don't really have a relationship. But embrace it. Because freedom is a beautiful thing. And now we all have it. Yeah, well, I don't want it. I didn't want it either. It was forced upon me. Uh, you guys are pathetic. I'm leaving for Italy tomorrow. Is anyone coming with? I don't know. Maybe. Free Johnny is. You really gonna quit acting drama? Freedom, baby. I might even have some t-shirts made up. Ah, you just taking a little break. Oh, oh Miss UCLA. Go, girl. <laughs> Mike, what do you got? When I think it's mostly drama, but it's near. It's in the beginning when they're basically trying to make uh, E stay single. When yeah. they're like giving him shit for like, and that's such like a stupid guy thing where it's like, why are you trying to like? Not why you're trying to be happy, but like stay with us. Like we're yeah. we're not down. Like wh- who am I going to be with? Like it's like making fun of someone for trying to 
get a girlfriend basically it's just like such yeah. a stupid thing that guys do but it's very it feels very true let's be honest at this point and at this point in this season e has gone back and forth between ashley and sloan about six times an episode for 11 episodes these that if it was a real male friendship scene drama would be like would you shut the fuck up <laughs> know, about these true. girls yeah i don't care like and you know what i don't want to hang out with you yeah. anytime, <laughs> anytime soon yeah they'd have but, a, they would have an intervention with e they'd be like dude all you do is fucking talk about this like cut the shit <laughs> But they're very He's patient like, with them. Uh, Sloan agreed to have lunch with me, and they're all like, "Great job, E. Yeah. Oh yeah, good job. Great like, job." <clears> there would point. be the heart to heart at some point. A bear like, "All right, you need to look at these two options." And one, yeah. like, because there would be the awareness of these guys. Like, one of these options is a horrible option. What are you <laughs> doing? Why are you mm-hmm. wasting? You're a grown man. You're in your thirties. Like, stop wasting your time. And then the other one, dude, you just need to figure it out because we're tired of hearing about it stop and get with sloan because do you have eyes what yeah (laughs) i think that would be i think i would be like dude like no offense but sloan is so much better looking than you and (laughs) you guys why don't you just be with her like why does i don't i didn't see watch the season in in order like why does he keep breaking up with her i forget he broke up with sloan because he moved in with her and then they got mcgian the movie greenlit and then he just moved to columbia with the guys for six or three months to make the movie right i remember that yeah and she likes to say, like, you used me as storage. You put all your boxes in my house. I'm like, which, you know, girl in her late 20s and she wants to settle down. I get it from her perspective, but the back and forth. And we'll talk about the, the Sloan E engagement, which I, I liked. Really quick, my bros being bros was Ari and Terrence just finally, like, leveling with each other. Finally having their moment. After all the bluster of the contract signing, Ari storming out. Ari just being, like, apologized to me. And Terrence being like, I just did. I just said you were a great worker. I just said you used to kick my ass and that you should be the one who uh, is in charge of my company. That's my apology. That's like that unspoken guy thing where you don't – sometimes I don't need a, dude, I'm sorry for being an asshole. I just need like a, an acknowledgement that you were an asshole, and that's all it takes. And he says – he goes a little bit farther. He said, it was a mistake that I kicked you out, Ari, all right? I was just feeling unneeded. Ari kind of softens. He's like, well, you were needed. And then he goes, you know what? You're going to grow old someday, Ari. Hopefully you'll find someone – We'll be able to help you do it gracefully. And that's when Ari kind of softens and is like, I'll let you keep your name. And Terrence, fucking Malcolm McDowell is an incredible yeah, actor. So like, make it last. Yeah. Like, incredible. It's like almost a weirdly heartstring tugging moment for these guys. Like in, in as much of like an emotional moment as you can get in Ari's office and Entourage. But I really, really liked it. Andrew. Terrence. Ah, nice to see you. Didn't realize you were still in the business. Die. Not for you. Not for any TV agents. Hello, Ari. I should kick your ass for wasting my time. Ah. You remember when you first came to work for me? You used to go spar at my gym. I'd kick your ass. You were my boss. I let you win. I could still kick your ass, and you know it. Listen, you crawled over here for a reason. What is it? I want to make this deal work. Well, then I suggest that you go find a buyer who will let you push them around, because it ain't going to be me. I want you to buy it. Why? Because you miss having some sort of control over me? Listen, I'm smart enough to know that I never had control over you. No. Not while I was working for you. Or shall I say with you? I was your number one asset. We used to laugh at all those other dickheads, but you became one when you threw me out of the company that I built! Look, let's put the past behind us. The future's yours. Don't destroy my legacy out of spite. 
Admit that you destroyed me out of spite, out of bitterness and out of jealousy. Is that what all this is about? You want me to apologize? Poor hurt little boy still pines for his daddy's approval. I became too big for you and you couldn't handle it. No, I couldn't handle your rotten ego or your extraordinary salary demands. Bullshit! No, this is why you won't let me keep my name. If you don't like it, then you can go find someone else. No, I don't want anyone else. You're the only one who can take this company forward for the next 50 years. Well, then apologize. I just did. It was a mistake that I kicked you out, Ari, all right? I was just feeling unneeded. Well, you were needed. Well, you know, you're gonna grow old someday, Ari. Hopefully, you'll find someone who'll be able to help you do it gracefully. I'll let you keep your name. <laughs> Make it last. And then later, like, Ari does the same thing to Lloyd. He learns from that moment and I think decides, like, it's, it's time to, you know, if you love something, let it go. You know, that type of thing. Like, he makes him a, a fully formed Asian at the end of the <laughs> episode. So, <laughs> Mike, what was your least favorite moment from this week's episode of Entourage? uh i don't know the opening theme song maybe i uh do you guys skip it i mean i do because i watch these things three times yeah I, all these. no i skip it yeah i, yeah, I, I guess skip, that's are true. there any shows where you listen to the theme song right now i, I was trying to think i'm i'm succession. i'm re-watching oh yeah succession but even if you watched even if you did if you watch like five successions in a row would you skip it yeah yeah probably by like the third or like i'm re-watching 30 rock again because i think it's like one of the funniest yeah. shows of all time and that's yeah. such a quick opening but by like the second or third one, I'm like, enough, I get it. Yeah. Like, let's just get to it. So I think, uh, I think, I think that, um, I don't you know. You know that this podcast is named after the theme song, right? I'm just, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, James Addiction, I, uh, they pay me. <laughs> I like the theme song one once, but I think maybe that's it. If I see the, I, you know, I did just watch the, uh, the Barry episode or whatever. So it was right in my head. I had to go one episode to another. Hold on a second. Can we be honest about something? The Entourage theme song is not a good theme song. It no. is very, very mired in early 2000s. Like, the fact that they pit, like, a Jane's Addiction superhero, like, it just, it doesn't age. Granted, no, not many theme songs age, but there are some iconic theme songs. What? I think Entourage is age, age like milk. I think it I think it fits the show, though. Um, yes, you think, like, I agree with that. Well, especially now, we think about these HBO theme songs like Succession, like Game of Thrones, like Westworld, mm -hmm. that have these iconic openings and these, like, icon these songs just for them. But before that, they were kind of picking, you know, like they had, like, the Sopranos theme is, is great. Yeah. But they had, it was yeah. more like lyrical songs and stuff like that. Um, but the lyrics say something about the show. That's true. And it's, it's but it, 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 it doesn't, it's not how theme songs are done now. And, Again, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I hope most listeners agree. Like a rock song that didn't even wasn't even like a good rock song back then from a band that isn't super relevant anymore. It just doesn't really work. But you're right, Kyle. It might just be the perfect song for Andre. Yeah, it, I want to try it, to cut it with the with the Friends opening theme. Do you think it will work? I think it might <laughs> cut together okay. It's kind of has all the same themes, you know. I'll be there like, for if you. You can do that. I'll, I will do it. I'll, of this episode, I will do it. <laughs> I'll send it to you, JR. I'll do it and see if it works. I'll try a couple different ones. Maybe Seinfeld will work. Kyle, what was your least Sorry. favorite moment? Sorry, dude. I didn't have a good one. Um, no, you're I, good. No, yeah. it's fine. 
I mean, mine, um, I, I, I list a couple for pretty much every, every single category. It's just how I roll. Mm-hmm. This is a slight one. There's just not a chance in hell that Vince is at the point where he can call Matt Damon, Matty. There's just, <laughs> yeah. that's like, he would have gone like full, like will hunting and punch. Oh, you think you're fucking better than me calling me Matty? Um, so there's that. Uh, Only my mother calls me daddy. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Vince. <laughs> so there was another. There was just like, how much was Turtles same day ticket to New Zealand? Like, uh, yeah. okay. Uh, but Ian Sloan, I I think this would have been a good ending for them. But like, he, it's just the loneliest, most desperate move. Like we all wanted them to end up together, but it's like it's she's dating someone, and it's like yeah. it reeks of I'm afraid to be alone for the rest of my life. <laughs> like that's what that proposal says. It's like it's not like I've been really thinking. It's like I just start, I just finished dating this absolute train wreck who was a creep, and now I'm like, oh man, I really messed this up. I need to need to really outkick the coverage here and fucking propose. And like, of course, it doesn't work out right away. Of course, they have instant <laughs> problems next season. This was not a proposal that was built out of this like out of this great base. Like it is the it is a fucking it is a hail mary. It's, it's a, a psycho <laughs> move. I, I did write that down. Psycho <laughs> move by Eric. Move. I can't believe it worked. And I think about like imagine you're the guy that Sloan is seeing. Yeah. Oh, you're like crushing it. She's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to lunch with ah my fucking ex. You're like, all right, like get a Cobb salad, have fun. <laughs> and like she comes back and she's like, it's I'm, anal night. I'm engaged. I'm engaged. <laughs> I yeah I didn't really buy why Sloane would just say yes to that. She had a she, I, I bought her initial reaction more like, dude, what the fuck is this? This feels rushed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm piling on Kyle's thing. I agree with that. So I remember at the time being very happy. Oh my god, Ian Sloan are finally back together. Hopefully this is the end of the like seesaw of E's relationship status. But when I think about it as an adult man who has gotten married just like the three of us, I think to myself, what was E's plan? He's like you got to cancel your plans. This is a big deal. And she's yeah. like, okay, I got, I got like plans this afternoon. Like we're just getting lunch. I have something at two 30. Can I be back by two 30? He's like, no, this is really important. And the big important thing is Sloan. I'm still in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, that could have been a phone call. Yeah. That could have been just like show up at my door and let's have a conversation. You had to drive me to Malibu. I mean, if you guys ever been out here, Malibu from LA is like an hour and a half with no traffic and it's fucked. Uh, it's insanity that he did this. Yeah. I mean, it's again, it's a Hail like, Mary. when it's I a watched Hail Mary. this in my freshman year of college, it's like, Oh hell yeah. He's back yep. with Sloan. Like this is great. Yep. Sloan rules. And like, as an adult, you're like, what the, no, this isn't how yeah. things work. <laughs> this isn't how normal people interact. Like marriages that start like this is not all too dissimilar to like the ending of the graduate. Like it's not like it's the same kind of desperate move. It's yep. it's same same vibes there, and like I I think the graduate would have ended the same way that Ian Sloan en- end up in season seven. Well, and, and let me ask both of you as married men: like, if your engagement had started with you and your fiance at the time screaming at each other on a cliffside, and like her storming out of the car and being like, "Take me home," do you think it would have like gone on to be like a smooth and happy marriage? Just like spoiler alert we're going to talk about the next two seasons of entourage at the end of this this episode next season they're together and in season eight they are no longer together it's like it almost fore, foreshadowed like the the trouble to come because it's it, it's it's insane well he kind of just wears her down his whole like pitch was like come on <laughs> like come on it's me it's e. come on you know me and she i guess she just gives in like i don't she's like okay we do have history because she does obviously like she like likes him she loves him but she wants him to like be different 
and he's yeah. just like a dope and he yeah. can't i mean listen we all we all know that that uh you know there's there's one thing that'll happen is a man will absolutely change everything about himself for a woman yep. that she yeah. that she doesn't yep. like so it, it absolutely i you know nothing but if they had ended it right there, I'm sure everyone would have assumed that, that Ian Sloan would be just living blissfully. I don't know why you're so angry. I said I was sorry. You rejected me. I feel bad enough. You should be used to that by now. Look, I was wrong. All right? The guys told me you were over me, and I didn't believe them. And you usually listen to every word the guys say. I know. It's just that even though we've been apart for the last three years, I always believed that one day I'd have you, a house, kids. You mean we. I don't follow. We would have a house and kids. You're a selfish prick. You follow that? Why is it so selfish? Because I'm trying to tell you I want to be with you. Because last time you convinced me it was forever, then took off with your buddies five no, minutes later. I'm sorry. Later. I was trying to get my business going. You took me for granted. I know. Eric, why are you doing this to me? Because I love you. I will not get lured back into this. I can't trust you. You love to have a girlfriend, but on your terms. You're never going to be able to commit not to anyone. That is not true. I will commit to you right now. Eric, stop! I swear to God, I'll marry you. You'll marry me? Yes, I will get in that car right now, drive to Vegas, and commit to you for the rest of my life. Really? Have you even thought about this? Yeah. I have, and this time I swear on my life, it'll be forever. My least favorite moment is Turtle being unable to be intimate with the UCLA yes. girl. This this is a sexy, fun, lighthearted episode of Entourage, and then we've got like a three and a half minute scene of Turtle being a dead fish with like one of the hottest guest star actresses on the show, Janet Kramer, and it's just, listen, I'm not going to pretend like I haven't been there before. I've been in this situation and my mind has been somewhere. I think it happens to every guy. Or if you're like, you've really got eyes for another girl. I sound like a fucking 55-year-old man. You're, just, you're thinking about another girl and you're trying to fake it with the girl you're with. It's all tough. But I just didn't want it in this episode. I just, just punt that to next season or, or do all that off screen. It just wasn't a fun hang, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, you know, they did make it kind of like semi-believable in the sense that it was like, it didn't feel like it... it anything was gonna go down because it was like really bright it was in the middle of the day it was like the vibe wasn't there turtles wearing fucking shorts and hanes white socks it's like bro come on so that's one of the things this is at the point where turtle is supposed to have like cleaned up his act and is like dressing better he's not wearing like big baggy jerseys and like nicks backwards nicks caps and he still (laughs) dresses horribly (laughs) like at this point he's supposed to be the one who dresses well and like those those shorts are like skimming his shins if you watch that scene closely, Brooke, the UCLA student's dorm or apartment, wherever she lives, she has open vertical blinds right next to yeah. her bed, which are next to like a staircase that during that scene, at least six students walked by. So you're telling me this girl. I mean, that's but if you're the guy, it's like, I don't know. I might have trouble performing right yes. there. You know, yes. I suddenly like, have an audience. People, yeah. Where yeah. these people go in class? Are they going to walk? Which is, what's I was happening? supposed to have breakfast with my boys at Earth Cafe. And now she wants me to perform. I'm not in the right yeah. headspace. I don't have my nutrition. Like that's he it. had a, he had a coffee. He's going to take a coffee shit. Like we don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so. yeah I, I'm sure there is something to being the grown man back in the dorm room, too. Yeah, that's that's literally 30, by the way. He had his 30th birthday. So I can't imagine being 30 and being with a what? She 19, maybe 21. She's still living in the dorms. Yeah. Mm. I don't know what that is. Yeah, that's tough. (sighs) 
up. I'm up. You're like kissing a corpse. I'm sorry. You're not attracted to me? Are you kidding? You're smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you just need to loosen up a little. Relax. Oh. Oh. Oh, you're getting somewhere. Yeah? You like that? Uh -huh. You like that? I can't believe I can't get you to stop thinking about her. I'm sorry. She hasn't called me back in three days. Well, maybe she doesn't want to talk to you. <sighs> nah, I think she's pissed that I didn't try to stop her from going. Or that I didn't go with her, you know? I don't know her, Turtle. I should have gone with her. Well, maybe you should go now. I'm really sorry. I'll live. Yeah, but I got you all worked up, and now I'm just abandoning you. That's not fair. You want me to go down on you or something? Really quick, I didn't know where else to put this, but I wanted to like kind of repeat a story that either Jerry told me or Jerry told on something I listened to. But at the end of this episode, he gets off the plane in Auckland and he basically has to turn to the flight attendant and be like, any idea how true I can get to Rome? And she's like, you just flew from L.A. And he's like, Ugh. Yeah. He's wearing a pair of Beats headphones. And Beats had only been around at that point for like less than a year. They were released on July 25th, 2008, and this was shot over the winter of 2008 to premiere, to premiere in July. And Jerry has told this story before, but he was in a gym in L.A. working out, and he was bench pressing, and Dr. Dre came up to him and was like, thank you for being the first person to ever promote beats on television. Wow. And he was like, really? And he was like, yeah, like you, that put us on the map, essentially. And that is one of those stories that you're like, Holy shit, was this show so cool back in the day. Yeah. I mean, it was a thing. Like, if you saw something on Entourage, it was considered yep. cool. And, like, now in retrospect, Jerry probably tells that. And it's like, I could have used something. Didn't Beats got Dr. Dre to the billion mark, right? Like, that's where. Yeah, Apple bought him. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jerry deserved a little, little, little bit of that money. I don't know how many times, and this is, I'll fully admit this, I saw like a pair of sunglasses or shoes or something on this show, and then I went and I looked up how I could get that. And that's what this show is so And by the end of the show, by next season, it's literally just product placement for whatever co-branding opportunities. And there's a little bit of product placement in the last scene of the show, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about. I, I got a... Uh... I got calf implants because of this show. I, saw, <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's a good idea. I should get those. That's the tree trunks. Mike's walking around with tree trunks over here. Kyle, what was the most Entourage moment of this week's episode of Entourage? I think it was Ari walking through the office as like the Terminator. I think that, that was – it was – because a lot of Entourage is like – life that is not like your life at home and like we've all we've worked at we've had jobs and we worked in offices and stuff like that and we've never something that we think about hollywood is that like the not the impossible is is capable but like the the zany is capable or things that wouldn't happen in your normal nine to five job happen and that is the guy buying the company and then coming through with a fucking paintball gun and paintballing people although that sounds like what happened at twitter recently so it, it you know, <laughs> might might be might be normal at this point, but it was either that or just a big life event happening with no thought put behind it whatsoever. That seemed very entourage as well. 
it, that's also what you just said like that's something that like mr beast would do on his youtube channel <laughs> like i i put a bunch of people in an office building and i had to track them down with a paintball gun and whoever i shot last gets fifty thousand dollars or something like that <laughs> although i will say that's also like as someone who did a, a podcast on jackass recently like that sound, also sounds like something uh you know i went to phil's office and shot him up with a paintball gun <laughs> <laughs> come on bam <laughs> work in the morning <laughs> Mike, what do you got from those entourage moment? I just did the the uh, the opening where they're just like wa- get out of the car and they're walking, walking, I, I just, talking in an Earth Cafe. It's the start of probably the, twenty entourage episodes. Yeah, when I think of entourage, I think of the walk and talk. I mean, the way they do it. I mean, I've walked with my friends before. We've never had like a good conversation. Like like you know like they're like hitting. It, it, you're just very aware that you're watching this thing in motion, and it's very yeah. entourage. You're like I'm watching a TV show about like Hollywood. And it's still, it feels good, but it's like, that's very specific. To, I mean, other places do the walk and talk, but I feel like Entourage uh, perfected it with like the people are throwing in one liners and there's like movement and the whole yep. thing is flowing and it, it gets you into the episode nicely. I'm, I probably overwatch these things, but if you watch that opening scene, they all pull up and drama's cutlass or whatever it is and they get out and the camera kind of swings around to drama and you see where they are is packed there's hot people everywhere and you see down the street a little bit and just a block away it's completely deserted because they had to block off the entire street and just packed a bunch of extras around earth cafe and i'm just like oh that's a fuck up you like now you cgi all those people in right. they aren't even on the street they're just on a sound stage somewhere in atlanta doing this shit right I, I did notice that as being particularly funny my most entourage moment's not super like original, but I think it's probably Vince and Drama flying off to Italy in a private jet while an awesome, awesome hip hop song plays. Yeah. With yeah. all being right in the world. Literally everyone on the show, probably except for Turtle, is on top of the world. Like we'll get into the end of this episode and why it might need to be a bigger end of something, but like that's kind of the most entourage thing possible. It just leaves you on a high note wanting more and feeling great about yourself more importantly about the boys yeah so, yeah like is it gonna work out it fucking worked out yeah. like, you bet your ass wow. it worked out yeah. and like every time they're flying private in the show typically something good has happened which like just <laughs> general in life but like they're going to, you know to can with kanye uh the you know the end of when already gets offered the studio job or whatever hawaii yeah. with the supermodel yeah yep. ex- exactly like all that stuff it's like they're say it's like they're literally riding off into the sunset flying private which yeah it's it's the most entourage thing it's like they thought about like how do, how should we celebrate anytime something goes good for the boys let's put them on a pga <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean i still have yet to fly on a private jet and i probably never will Same. but like if i'm on a private jet i will be thinking about entourage i'm daring fucking to it probably watch it you pull out a a dvd player (laughs) oh they do a nice job with the commercial playing when turtles on it if you listen to like they do like some plane sound effects which i really appreciated like they had like the you know when like they're like tightening something or do it you hear like that i was like oh that's what it sounds like when i'm like is that supposed to happen like that (laughs) that felt like being on a plane so Good sound production. Mike, you were on this you were on last season for first class jerk where Turtle gets jerked off by Jamie Lynn at the end of the season. And uh and that was the last time you were on. If you guys haven't listened, go back and listen to that episode. We had a lot of fun because it's very clear that like you could never get a hand job in first class no. <laughs> because of all the eyeballs. <laughs> that was the opposite of this plane work. That was bad plane work. <laughs> yep. It yep. felt very much not like a plane. 
throw out some lines. There's so many good fucking lines from this week's episode. I, can't, I have so many that are coming out of my ass. What do we got? I'm going to ask start with you the, to do... Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I only have a few, but I'll, I'll, I hope JR will take... This is just a, a small little quick one that I liked from when they're at the beginning. And, uh, you know, drama's giving E shit about getting back with Sloan or whatever. And Turtle's like, I'm going to hook up with that girl. And uh, in in uh, drama goes, he's like, love it. And then he looks at E and goes, learn from it. You know? <laughs> it was just like such a quick little thing. And I was like, yes, that's great. He's still he's just giving him shit all the time. They give E so much shit about being such a romantic. And they just, in their minds, they see Turtle as their like protege. Mm. He's just like Vince, just a little shorter, a little heavier. Yeah. <laughs> and not a, you know an a-list movie star yeah uh jr i'm gonna ask some extra work of you if you want to splice this one in because i didn't write it out perfectly but it is but. it is the long quote from again the, the meeting and in, in marriage counseling the thing about oh. if i could gouge out terrence McEwick's eyeballs <laughs> and then if i could sell adam davies into white slavery <laughs> which fucking killed might be the funniest part of the episode in the non-matt damon category well, let's. I mean, let's let's step on the Ari Gold. That that's my Ari Gold moment. It's yeah. it's so good, and it starts the episode. It starts this whole ball rolling where he then has the meeting with Terrence, and then the other meeting with Terrence, and then the, then obviously the paintball scene. Him and his wife meeting with Doctor Marcus, which are always great scenes. It's it's literally a. It's this is like an Emmy real performance by Piven. He starts off by kind of like getting frustrated as his wife is mischaracterizing him to the therapist. She's literally like, you're doing this for the wrong reasons. And he's like, the wrong reasons? I'm doing this for business. When it comes to business, my wife knows my judgment is never clouded. So please, please support me like you always have. And I will deliver for us like I always have. And it's so good. He's got tears in his eyes. Yeah. He's stammering. It's just, it's, 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 it's incredible. He's, he's the best. He, he Dylan, and Damon in this episode yeah. <laughs> are just literally on a, on like a cloud above everybody else who's just like trying to stay alive below them. Yeah, I'd add Malcolm McDowell into that. Uh, who who can go toe-to-toe yeah. yeah. -to -toe with Piven. But it's, I mean, those guys have had the most prestigious careers and have been in the most prestigious stuff outside of Entourage. So what are we here to talk about? Well, this is extremely secretive. Everything in here is. I'm buying a very big company. Oh, Congrats. Which he said wouldn't cost us anything. This deal will make me the head of the largest agency in the entire entertainment business. You said it wouldn't cost us anything. Well, I didn't think that it would. He said the company was going to buy it. I thought that the company could, but it's been a rough year, so, you know, we're a little strapped for cash. But the bank has asked me to personally guarantee something. $12 million. I think it's great that you two have such open communication about your money. It's not our money. It's her money. Oh. And I just put up my money when we started this new agency. And that was over two years ago, and we still haven't gotten all of that money back yet. And that doesn't concern you, Ari? No, because we're going to make it back 50 times on this one. You don't see it this way. Even if I did, I, I don't see this as just about business. Is it about ego, Ari? Well, I've always dreamed about ruling the world, but now that I'm getting older, I would settle for ruling Hollywood. Oh, it goes much deeper than that. He's got enemies at this company he wants to buy. I have enemies everywhere. Who are these enemies? These are very personal conflicts. He wants payback, and I'm not sure he's thinking clearly. What? Tell me about these conflicts, Ari. It, they don't matter. Your wife seems to think they do. My wife doesn't know how I do my business. But you need her money in order to buy this business that you want. So why do you want it? For revenge. For a music department. For Terrence. For a book department that I can pair with filmmakers. And for Lloyd. For sports stars. Is it possible that these people are the reason you want to buy the agency? Yes, he wants to destroy them. Tell her. Tell her. Is it true? 
Do you want to destroy these people, Ari? Okay, yes. If I could gouge out Terrence McEwick's eyeballs and eat them for what he did to me, I would. And I would sell that Benedict Arnold Adam Davies in a white slavery if we lived in a place that had a market for it. And Lloyd, that little queen, who I welcomed into my home and allowed to play with my children and care for my dog and who left me for those two scumbags, I would tie him up and allow the entire Screen Actors Guild to anally rape him, if not for the fact that I know he would enjoy it. I hate them all. And yes, I want to see them destroyed. But that is not why I want this company. I want, I, no, no, I need this company because it's good business. It's good goddamn business. And if I don't buy it, someone else will, and that will be very, very bad for my business. And my wife, of all people, should know that when it comes to business, my judgment is never clouded. So please, please support me like you always have, and I will deliver for us like I always have. What do you think? I think it was a good speech. Yeah. Do what you need to do, Ari. Really? I love you. Can we fucking hear? Did they, did they ever say how Mrs. Ari's, like, where she inherited that money from? Nope. I also, that's, I, that's serious money. I feel like they're inconsistent with that throughout the series, though. I, I feel like there are, there are parts where he gives her shit because she doesn't work and he makes all the money and then randomly he'll be like well she comes from money like maybe it's just like an account they can't touch unless it's big things i think they had literally have like a we're not supposed to touch that money conversation that's got some point it okay i mean i guess that that makes sense okay i just i do remember there's a lot there's a couple of parts where he's like you know i make the money i make the decisions and they're like oh but she's loaded when he opens up his miller gold agency in last or two seasons ago he basically has to ask her to help finance mm-hmm. it and that money was supposed to be for our future. And he's like, this is our future. And they get caught by uh, Adam Davies and they have to like dive behind. Yeah. yeah. Believe me. All right. I got a couple quotes. Do you guys have any more? I mean, everything Matt Damon says. Yeah. When he says, when he says to, uh, sorry, I just cut you off, dude. That's, that's three person podcasting right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he says, when I'm like, sorry, I cut you off. Now I'm going to keep fucking talking. <laughs> uh, when, when drama is, uh, tells him that he was out he's out of the business and and damon goes you're in the business like (laughs) you know like when they were on the runway uh it's so good and then damon not recognizing drama at all and being like who the fuck is this guy is is a nice little touch then when drama when drama sees uh matt damon at the uh, near the end and damon's giving him shit uh vince shit for not giving out enough money and drama says to him what are you guys doing saving the geese from an untimely death uh which is good you know yeah when Which, uh, that whole scene that oh with that whole scene is it yeah yeah that yeah. whole scene is an ad for marquee jets oh yeah, yeah. he's got founder of marquee jets interacts with them matt damon is whole is wearing a hat and yeah. they talked about how the carbon offset is being blah 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 it's like dude yeah I, this episode I, I mean even it wasn't matt damon's charity like a, a running line to, and yeah, that was like a real it's, charity it's very clearly the only way he agreed to do something like this and in my mind it's, it's like little, yeah pump whatever you want yeah. dude you could pump concentration camps if you want to be sorry I feel like that's, that's horrible i feel like the third time 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not hating on Damon. He's great, but yeah. I feel like it was a little much. When Bono showed up, I'm like, all right, guys, what, what's happening? Bon- Bono's the one, but it does give us a little inkling. At like, like He doesn't get a whole lot to do, but LeBron James is actually like – LeBron James in uh, – what was the – in Trainwreck? is to me yeah, the, yeah. the best non Bill Hader part yeah, of training. Like yep. LeBron James is good when he when he actually gets something to do and when it's not like Space Jam too. But that conversation between them is a quote for me too when LeBron says like give a buck 50 and Damon just right away I was going to say 200 but that's that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> just like rarefied air rich guy talk like in a way that like they're just so casual about throwing around. And you know, that's probably how these guys talk behind closed doors mm-hmm. and in a way you feel like you're watching something you're not supposed to be watching, right? Or that it's a peak inside Hollywood. Wow. Turtle's gonna meet us in Italy. Really? What happened with Jamie? I didn't say. What, is Damien coming? Oh, Jesus, what the hell? Unbelievable. Hey, Maddie. Yeah. What, are you following me? No, no, pure coincidence. Told you I was going to Cleveland. Uh, you guys know LeBron? Gave up his vacation for the kids. Hey, LeBron. Hey, big fan, man, big hey. fan. Hey. hey. So did you get the check I sent? <laughs> yeah, I did. Hope it was enough. It wasn't. You guys flying uh, private to Italy, huh? Must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Good living. <laughs> and what are you guys doing here? Saving the geese from an untimely death? We're on a charitable mission, John. The jet was donated by Marquis as well as the carbon offset. We're good. Touche. I want a big fucking check from you, Vince. Yeah, how big? Well, what are you making this year? 20 million? Ari told me 20 mil. Yeah, give or take. And you only gave 10 Gs? That is a little light, bro. I didn't know it was appropriate. What did you give LeBron? I'll, I'll match it. I gave a million, Vince. Oh. Send a buck fifty. Yeah, I was gonna say two hundred, but that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. It's for the kids. It's for the kids. Done. Good. Yo yo. Hey yo E. Call Marvin. Have him write a check for one hundred fifty grand to Matt's charity. Okay. My quotes. Arian therapy before his whole impassioned rant. I've always dreamed of ruling the world, but as I've gotten older, I'll settle for ruling Hollywood. And he's so cocky about it. And he's so happy that he's about to acquire this company. He just needs his wife's money. And then later, uh, Damon calls the house and Drama picks up and he's like, hey, did you have a chance to look at that materials? Can I talk to Vince? And Drama goes, sorry, he must have slipped out, but I can see the brochure brochures here right on the table. And Damon just goes, put him on the fucking phone, John. <laughs> and then he just goes, okay, and hands Vince the phone. And Vince is like, dude, what the fuck? He goes, sorry, he Jason Bourne to me. And it's so true. That's exactly what he did. He went from super nice guy to crazy maniac, don't know what he's going to do in 0.5 seconds. Ciao, Chase Residence. Hey, it's Matt Damon. Hey, Matt, it's Johnny. What can I do for you? You can write a big check to the One by One Foundation. Well, I'd love to, but my future's a little uncertain right now. I'm out of the business. Were you in the business? Yeah, I was on a hit show for three years. What happened? They fired you? No, I left by choice. Well, listen, John, there are millions of helpless children with much, much bigger problems. Well, yeah, of course. All right, well, is Vince there? Did he look at the materials yet? Hang on. It's Damon. He wants to know about that charity thing. Yeah, he must have slipped out, uh, but I can see the brochures opened up here on the table. Put him on the fucking phone, John. Okay. Sorry, Jason bored me. Hey, Matt, uh, just looking over the stuff. Pretty moving shit, isn't it? Very. Okay, so can I count on you? Yeah, just let me know what I can do. Well, I'll tell you what you can do. We got some trips coming up to uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Feeding America, one of our partners running a food bank there. I need another celebrity to go with me to draw attention to the fact that one out of six American children 
One out of six are food insecure. Do you even know what that means, Vince? It means they don't know where their next meal is coming from. One out of six Americans. It's fucking shameful. Uh, yeah, I'm leaving for Italy tomorrow. You know what? Fuck the American kids. Let them starve. Have a good time on your vacation. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's not a vacation. I'm working. Get off your arse, Vince. That's Bono, Vince. Oh, uh, hey, Bono. You know, it doesn't take much to have a big effect here, Vince. Yeah. I'll tell you what. When you're done with your Frank Darabont movie, I'm going to take you on a trip, okay? Yeah, for sure. In the near term, I would like a check. Okay, for how much? Do what's right, Vince. Don't be a cheapskate, man. Do it today, okay? Don't make me wait. I'm going to be waiting. Both be waiting. See you, Vince. So good. And then a very little moment between Ari and Andrew Klein right before uh, Terrence walks in. Ari goes, he's never honored anything. And Andrew goes, yeah, but you still want this. And Ari goes, more than I want my wife to crave pussy, but I will not be controlled by that rotting old douchebag. <laughs> so good. Piven doesn't really have like a bad line in this episode. Like it's it's all it's all top tier stuff. There's been some good stuff midway through the season with Andrew Klein having a meltdown, the Lizzie Grant stuff. And then he hasn't really had much to do, Piven, for the last three episodes. Lloyd's left him pretty much. But all of a sudden, this like white whale opportunity coming to him and him being so impassioned about it has made him just, he just stepped up a deer. And Vince has done nothing all season. Yeah. <laughs> Vince has literally played pool every single episode of Entourage, and everything else has just kind of happened around Vince, which probably what led to what happens next. That's season. the so. whole, that is the whole problem with Entourage. And that's like, how do you keep this guy hungry? And how do you yeah. keep us caring about him? Because on the way right. up, it's easy. Like, He's got, you know, he's doing the indie, like he's he's got his initial small action flick. Then he's doing the indie movie. He's trying to, you know, he's getting into the Cameron movie. And like once he hits the peak, it's like we're kind of done caring. And I think if maybe the character was a little more fleshed out as to who he is as a person, besides just like a guy who wants to be a successful actor and fucks a lot, we might be a little more invested in it. But it's like, how how much can we keep caring once he's hit this peak? When Damon asks Vince... How much are you going to make this year? And he says $20 million. We're like, okay, Vince has is, Vince is hit it. Like, Vince is, yep. Vince is good. He's, he's good. He's come back from Eddie Ian. He's back to making $20 million a year. That's rarefied air. Vin, Vince is good. He's financially set for life unless he fucks it all up. Like, we're, we're done caring. We have no initiative to care about him because we don't know that much else about what motivates him. And that's like a – I just dove really deep into that. But, like – we don't. The show isn't about that. The show is always about always about his career and not him. And so that kind of, you know, we we know a lot more about what drives Ari in that regard. Well, that's why I like the whole thing where he becomes like addicted to drugs and stuff. Like I don't I don't really like buy it or he, well, he doesn't like yeah. seem like a drug guy, but also like because like Kyle what you said, like we don't know. It's very surface level character. Yeah. So it's like when they dive in and be like this is what his personal struggles are, it's like in season 7 or 8, you're kind of like I guess. Okay. You know, versus like if that was if that was like Ari taking pills, you'd be like, "Oh, I believe this more." Yeah. Or like I'm more invested cuz you've seen, cause we've you've seen, seen the it. roller coaster with Ari. Right, yeah. right. There's a throwaway line in the Dolph episode which I had Jerry Ferrara on. You guys should listen if you haven't listened yet. But like Vince literally goes, "Oh, I got paid 4 million to voice an otter." And, or something what is it? I forgot the line that he says in an animated movie and you're like, "Oh, so this guy is set in a way that we don't have to worry about him anymore." Right. And then next season all we do is worry about Vince and it is such an abrupt right turn that it doesn't track. And let's let's put a pin in that because I want to talk about that towards the end of this episode of oh yeah oh yeah which at this point will probably be in 
an hour. <laughs> do you edit? Do you edit this thing? It's well, it's it's actually a natural. It's like a natural thing, though. Like all your normal episodes have been covering episodes that are twenty three minutes. This one is thirty seven. Yeah. So we have there to we go. Yeah, we have to be longer. Just, yeah. Call it a two parter, like HBO did. I should just split thing. this in the middle and tune in next week for um, it's the end of the year. It's holiday season. All right, let's let's talk about celebrities. Let's talk about cameos. We've danced around it enough. There are five celebrity cameos in this episode. Before we talk about each one of them, which we're going to do, I want to know from both of you who your personal favorite Entourage cameo is across all 96 episodes, of which that is the number because I know that number. Well, first of all, can I give you a shout-out because I used your guide as my guide. So you wrote something for what, Complex? Complex. Our friend Fraser Tharp, who's been a desk, he and I collaborated on a piece. He was like, you should do something for the anniversary. This is 2019. I wrote about 15,000 words about all 121 cameos in Entourage, and I ranked them all. And I will probably link to it in the show notes of this week's episode if you guys want to read it, if you haven't read it yet. I uh, unfortunately put Kanye West at number one, which doesn't age really well, (laughs) but I will probably still argue that Kanye West at the time was one of the best it was weird. Yeah, it was like, you you wrote like this guy's a genius. Everything he says is, says is true. <laughs> so that was kind of a little bit off putting. But even in the future, and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I so would follow Kanye on any plane anywhere. Was exactly <laughs> what you said. Did you just go through I, and watch every episode, or was there like a list? Oh, some yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. I, oh, I would never go through and watch every episode of Hunter. I <laughs> says the asshole who's been doing it for five, four years. So. Uh, like a lot of things, people go, man, you put so much work in this episode and to this show. I go, no, it's all on the internet. There is a Wikipedia list of every oh, nice. single cameo, and it's 121. And like, what's funny is I, Fraser and I just blindly went off that list, and then after we posted it, people were like, you're missing like 10, and there were right. some pretty big ones too. Like, there's no Seth Green on it, and I'm like, ah, fuck, <laughs> like I should have remembered Seth Green, but like. I'm doing the best I can do over here, people. I'm the only person besides the director of Entourage who's making Entourage content. So And you and you were doing it before before the director. Hey, I don't I don't know if that means anything, but I had the idea first. I don't know if anyone cares. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the ones I I like was attracted to were the ones that all have something to do with Johnny Drama. So like Lamar Odom, Larry David, Ralph Macchio. Th- these are all I I really enjoyed their performances because they they are in direct acting scenes with Johnny Drama, who's hilarious. Yeah. I think action, yeah. the uh, the Michael Phelps one is funny because while watching it, you go, "Is that fucking Michael Phelps?" <laughs> and then you go, "I don't know. Why would he just get bumped into into the street and like not even have barely have a line?" And you're like, "I don't know. I think that was yeah. Michael Phelps." But number one, I think would be, and I guess is this a cameo? Like Gary Busey, is that a cameo? Because <laughs> he's he's like a co-star. He's in like yeah. five episodes. Yeah, he's in three or four, I think. I don't know if I'd consider him a cameo. A cameo has to be one episode, right? Yeah. I guess I think it's one or two. And I also like Bono's technically been in two because he was on stage and out on a fucking iPad. Right. Yeah. And how I'm doing this too is if they were playing themselves, which Correct. like I love the Val Kilmer right. in, in script in the yes. Sherpa, which is yeah, one of the, I think the first, first episode I had Exactly, yeah. And I love that one. But I, I'm more thinking about the people who are playing themselves. So that, for me, it's between Damon and Bob Saget. I was going to oh, say, yeah, Bob posthumously, Saget's aged really well. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Brady one is funny, but it's more funny because of because of Johnny Drama. Like, because of the, the And club. because of Turtle. And Turtle. Turtle. Yeah. Turtle. I, yes. I like the Brady one, too. Yeah, he lets them play off him really well. He p- plays a straight man pretty well. 
they interact with so many celebrities throughout the course of the show and they are only ever really enamored with Brady. And that's what's so funny about mm-hmm. that is like right. Tom Brady kind of transcends it all. He's number two on that complex list that I wrote. Kyle, who's your number one? I think it's Damon. He does the most, like he puts in the most effort. I, I feel like, like Saget does stuff and Saget likes to, you know, he has his quips and he's, you know, he's hanging out with the hookers and things like that. And, you know, don't fuck my daughter, Vince. Like that stuff's funny. But Damon, like, Damon takes this episode so seriously and is is very like deadpan and committing to the bit. And then that final credits run, the the crying, the crying into the uh, hey, hey Vince, it's it's bad. Uh listen, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, buddy. Like it, it's <laughs> it's a great comedic performance. And it is a lot of these people appeared in entourage to be like i'm in entourage you know i can just be me you know like the 50 cent driving the car that's really funny it's iconic it's a great gif but it's matt dame was like if you have me on set you have me i am i am going to you have me in three scenes a post-credit scene like i'm i'll be with you guys all week yeah Vince, I have one pair left. Oh, awesome thanks Vince. hey what's up man daddy how's it going how you doing buddy good to see you man good to see you hey matt Hey, Johnny. Listen, man, did you get this stuff that I sent over to Ari? It's the foundation that I'm working with. The one-by-one foundation. The kids' foundation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, it's at the house. I haven't had a chance to look at it. You haven't looked at it yet? No, I just, uh, I've, I've been busy. With what? Oh, yeah, I'm doing the new Darabont movie. Don't be afraid to get involved, Vince. Oh, no, I, I'm not. We're raising money for children all over the world. It's for kids. It sounds kids good. Kids who desperately need it is good. You should look at it. I will. Oh, you can look at it too. Yeah, I will, Matt. I'll see you, man. I see you later. It's for kids. Uh, he's intense. This time period for Damon, he has achieved worldwide acclaim. He has just finished the Bourne trilogy. He is in the Good Shepherd and The Departed in the last two years. I don't know if you knew this, Kyle. The Departed is one of my favorite movies. I've heard that. I've heard that, yeah. I don't want to use this, and I've never really used this podcast to ever take shots at any of the main actors' performances on this podcast, but he is acting circles around Adrian Grenier in every scene that he is in. Vince, I think as a character, is always supposed to be considered like a movie star more than a good actor. And in this episode, he's toe-to-toe with an actual movie star, and it is downright embarrassing. He looks like a scared deer in the headlights while Damon is just reaching into his tool bag of comedic funny he said i'll see you man it's for the kids he's friendly and then immediately angry and then back to friendly it's literally mike it's like the harlem globetrotters versus the washington generals it's 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 insane that's why it's forever been so hard to be like who is vincent chase like because we you know it's the mark Wahlberg story but think about who mark Wahlberg is mark Wahlberg's been nominated right. for an oscar it's with vince it's like there's no one who's been that famous who doesn't have some sort of presence. There's no one who's ever made $20 million in a movie who doesn't have something going on. Like, you know, like I, I can't, I, I can't think of anyone like anyone who could get to that level. Um, Jason Patrick maybe, but like he's been good and stuff, but like he was big in the early night. Like he had some movies that were centered around him and he was very but, famous. But Jason Patrick never made 20 million a yeah, year and voiced an otter and was palling around with, I mean, granted Vince is a fantasy character. Yeah. Even Kevin Dillon, who comes from a family of actors and is probably the best actor on the show. Probably you know, him and Piven are tied one, a one B 
he's just getting pushed into a locker by Matt Damon this entire <laughs> oh, episode. Yeah. And every scene Damon's in, and this is the movie star thing, I'm just staring at Damon. I'm like, what's this guy going to do next? I can't stop staring at him. And that's what they say is that kind of indefinable quality about actors and what makes this episode so good. It's like when you watch a just when you watch a star athlete. It's when you watch yep. when you watch LeBron play against five other NBA players. Like, okay, that person is different. And that person, Matt Damon, how how old is he when when he when Goodwill Hunting came out? Like he was in his twenties. Yeah, he was late, in his early twenties. Yeah, yeah mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'll put, I'll take a little devil's advocate right here. Let's hear does, it. does does Vince have any material to go off of? I mean, Damon's giving him the good shit, but if his line is that he stammers. And says, "Oh, I'll get you the check, Matt." It's they true. made him like a scared little dude. Now, now, maybe they did that because they knew that he couldn't like go back and forth with Matt Damon, and that's very much true. But it, I just feel like his character is nothing in this episode. When Matt Damon's talking; he's wide-eyed and scared, and you're like, "All right, yeah. dude, like, give us something." And it's like, "What's on the page? Like, is there anything?" Have him be like, "He's a movie star. He's a he makes twenty million dollars for a movie." He'd be like, dude, why don't you shut up and uh, this ain't Boston, bro. Go, like, crack yeah. some skulls, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, so, he doesn't give him anything. He doesn't give him shit. He's just, like, very – and I get that with, with Gary Busey because he's, like, eccentric and you're like, what's this dude going to do? But it's like – Afraid he's going to, like, eat his face. He's going <laughs> to eat my face off, yeah. But it's like, you're a movie star. You're one of the biggest movie stars in the world. Another movie star is asking you for money and being, like, kind of weird if this is real life. You'd be like, all right, dude, push s- settle down. He'll push it. <laughs> and he's just, he's just got nothing. So – while all the things you're saying are true, I, I would have loved to see him like at least try. Yeah, it, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about that the character's pretty under underdeveloped and underwritten. The only thing, the only character thing we really know about Vince is that he's very easygoing. He doesn't, and he loves right. reverse cowgirl uh, sex. Yeah, loves leaving the door open. <laughs> loves leaving. How the door many open. times? Yeah. <laughs> Probably twelve times. But I always stare at those scenes. I'm like, is that the angle? Is that what's <laughs> happening here? That looks, yeah. In reality, he is a kid from Queens with a tough guy brother and two boys. Like, they should be a little more edgy. They should have a little bit more of a, fuck you, Boston boy. I don't right. give a fuck that you wrote Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. No, fuck you. I gave 10 Gs. Suck my dick. You know, yeah. that's the type of thing that you would hear from that type of guy. But instead, he's like this pretty boy, like wishy-washy. You know, I only gave 10 Gs. Was that enough? And it's like, dude, you made $20 million this year. Like, what are you t- – I-, I don't know. So I want to transition. You You – you compared Damon to LeBron James circa this exact moment in LeBron James's career. At this point, LeBron James had almost a universal approval rating from everyone. He was on his second of back-to-back MVP seasons. His Cleveland Cavaliers had the best record in the NBA for both the 08 and 09 seasons. But this is like six months removed from him getting bounced in the second round of the playoffs since the Celtics where he played like trash, didn't shake anybody's hands as he walked off the court didn't talk to the media, and then made the decision. So he's literally at the tippy top before we started to go like, this guy's kind of a insecure, out-of-touch douchebag, huh? Like, like, but when I, is I, the Pistons the time, game six? That's 07, so we're, we're two years removed from this. Okay. That's like when everyone was like, this dude's, right. one of the, this dude's an ass Jordan. This is incredible. Even me, a Chicago Bulls fan who has now transitioned to a Golden State Warriors fan who fucking hates LeBron James at the time was like, I fucking love this kid. He is so exciting. He is so much fun. But we're like literally six months out from him making the worst decision of his career. And in terms of like a PR standpoint, because mm-hmm. he's still obviously fucking killing it and won two championships. There should have been two future Hall of Famers in that scene. And I don't want to hijack the pod about Jim Edmonds' Hall of Fame case. No, I, I, I'm, 
kind of yeah. We have to talk. About <laughs> I mean, that. who was the other guy? They go Jim Edmonds and who? Who was the other guy? I don't think it's anybody because I have scoured. He's like and JD and JT. Yeah, yeah. He says, and I was like, who? And yeah. I was, I couldn't figure it out. No yeah. IMDb. I've googled it. I don't even know. Can we talk? Sorry, Kyle. Can we give can us we your talk Jim Edmonds case? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. what is Jim Edmonds doing riding with riding with LeBron and Matt Damon? Because I don't think so Jim Damon's my, is donating to the Jim Edmonds is donating to the cause. So Jim Edmonds is, you know, obviously you know his career, but like from what I understand, my wife grew up in Orange County. Her family had Anaheim Angels season tickets, and so she's like, "Oh, the Edmonds family was a big fucking deal in Southern California." He married a reality TV star. He was on the Real Housewives. He was on the yeah. He was on the Housewives. I remember my wife was watching. I go, "Is that Jim fucking Ed?" Uh, yeah, I was like, "What is happening right now?" Like, dude who made the back backwards catch? Yeah. What is he doing on the show? I think he's like that guy who was starting to transition from being just a sports figure into like a media personality. And I'm assuming whoever his people are were like, you got to do an entourage. But the way they shoehorn him in with Kenny Dichter, who is the entrepreneur and CEO of Wheels Up, the aviation marquee jet company, and who also founded Avion Tequila, hint, hint, for next season's bullshit <laughs> <laughs> co-branding opportunity the way they introduce him as like lebron you good and what an adrian grenier goes all good kenny dean he goes jim edmonds <laughs> jt you ready to know you gotta say jim edmonds full name gotta, gotta say jim edmonds might as well have called him like jimmy edmonds like uh, his middle name too that's like us being in a bar and me being like kyle banduho my camerlino you ready to roll uh, so fucking unbelievable it is like the worst writing the worst co-branding it's and edmund edmunds turns around is in full view of the camera and then raises his hand like literally he just got like announced that he was playing center field and batting third it's just like yep i'm here it's me jim edmunds <laughs> it would have been honestly would have been better if they were like if if vince and johnny were like is that jim edmunds like, what's he doing here like you know like jo- they johnny speak for the seems audience like he would love like, jim edmunds right oh yeah big jim edmunds guy so I, I got I to gotta shout out. We have a lot of listeners of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, like in Australia. So Jim Edmonds is a former professional baseball player for eight major league teams. He played for 17 seasons, which is a remarkable amount of time. He was known as a defensive specialist, was an all-star four times, won a World Series, was an eight-time gold glove winner, which is a defensive specialist. He's like a big fucking deal in in baseball, and was he, he was a great a he was a great presence. Oh yeah, yeah. This was uh the, the Cardinals are coming off a World Series. Like coming off a of World want, Series, yeah. yeah. Which and he's he's right there in the middle of that. He's like second fiddle behind Pujols, but he was great in Anaheim. Yeah. He's great in St. Louis. So Jim Edmonds has a career wins above replacement, which is kind of like if you're, yeah, it's like win shares in the NBA. Uh, he has a okay. career career wins above replacement as of sixty point four, and about fifty could get you into the Hall of Fame. But he has a career wins above replacement above Ichiro, Mike Piazza, Yogi Berra, Sammy Sosa, Willie Stargell. Uh, Larry Doby, fucking, let's see, any other Hall, like a few Hall of Famers, David Ortiz, who just went in, my spiritual father, Joe Maurer, and he was left off the Hall of Fame ballot after one year, did not even get the what? 5% of votes to qualify, He's he wasn't, I don't think he was linked to the Mitchell Report, he's like not considered, he's not considered a definite steroid guy, versus like, a, yeah, maybe, but like, it's just one of those guys who fell through him, Kenny Lofton, Johan Santana. Like those guys just did not get the five percent and fell right off the ballot. Is fucking baffling. 
Does that mean they're just out? And again, I'm not a huge baseball. Guy. Yeah. So Holy you get your so so you get your your run on the ballot. If you get less than five five percent of votes, the, your first year on the or whenever on the ballot, it's when you fall off. And then after ten years, you're also off. There's a veterans committee that can get get things in, and now they just did like a modern players committee, and they just voted in Fred McGriff this year, the crime dog. That's right. Crime Todd dog, Mansky baby. getting it, getting in the hall. Yeah. So yeah. that would be Jim Edmonds' hope down the road. But yeah, in terms of the traditional Hall of Fame ballot, Jim Edmonds was one and done, which is fucking stunning. There's nothing in his. I mean, from what I under, I, I, I've always peripherally known about him, but there's nothing in his past and his background where he's really been a problem right or there have been like you know like dings the dead not not any insane. yeah not any more than like a lot of the guys in the baseball hall and like let's call a spade a spade like david ortiz likely did steroids and was a first ballot hall of famer and jim edmonds couldn't even get five percent of the vote it's crazy wow. crazy are you saying that baseball is like it's kind of like rid right oh, yeah oh yeah yeah baseball's got some problems folks Believe me, I just wrote the name Jim Edmonds on this run sheet, and I was like, I'll just let Kyle Tater from here. Yeah, yeah, no, we, yeah we, we, could, we could go for a while on that. Hey, guys. Hey. What's up? Matty D. Braun, let's hit it. Let's okay. go. All good? As good as always, Kenny D. Let's do it. Jimmy Edmonds, JC, let's go. Hey, guys. Right, hey. Later, fellas. Have a safe flight, See you, guys. Best. See you later. Bye, LeBron. 150 Gs. It's for the kids. We also have Rich Paul. Rich Paul, who is not a big deal at this moment. He's literally like in the peripheral. He gets out of the car with LeBron. But like Rich Paul is a huge fucking deal in the sporting world these days. But Isn't he dating point, Adele, he like, too? He's dating Adele. Yeah. He founded Clutch Sports, which represents LeBron, Anthony Davis. You want to talk Anthony about a Edwards. sport that's rigged, the NBA and Clutch Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Do we guys? Do you guys know how Rich Paul like became friends with LeBron James? No, I don't know. I've heard the story, but I can't. I can't recite it. Rich Paul is like a, a, a Ohio native. I don't think he's from Akron, but he's from like the Cleveland area. And he was at the Akron airport, and he was wearing a vintage Warren Moon throwback jersey, and James loved it. He was just wearing it. Went up and talked to him, and he loved the jersey. So they exchanged contact information, and then. Rich Paul sold LeBron James an authentic Magic Johnson Lakers jersey and a Joe Namath Rams jersey. And now that dude who went up to him in a throwback jersey in a fucking airport in Akron is his business manager. That's was just he, that's did, fucking did, entourage, by the way. Did that's he know who LeBron was, or was he like not big he wasn't like the man? Of course he fucking yeah, knew who for LeBron sure did. Was. It was <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know if he was like fucking nine or it's something. It's kind of an admirable thing though that LeBron's two right hand right hand men are the guy he met in the airport, and then Maverick Carter, who's just like his childhood best buddy. Like it's kind it's of high school teammate. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Love that, that is very entourage. You're right. Yeah. It's this all happened in 2002, Mike. So LeBron was drafted that year or the year after. So like, yeah, this guy was a big yeah. fucking deal at the time. He knew what he was doing. Is what I'm saying. So, anyways. If we can name a, the best and the worst out of all these, are we all in unanimous agreement that the best is Damon? Damon. I would think Damon. But who's the worst? Is it Bono? <laughs> I yeah, I would say Bono because even like even over Facetime or whatever it is, his he's clearly like not putting his heart into it. It yeah. just ruined the vibe for me. It made it feel like all right, I get it. It's like a commercial now. Like you could have just not had him and been like Damon and LeBron at the absolute apex of their careers in this episode, and Bono contributes nothing. Yeah, but that, that's what happens with the show. I mean, it's always been one where they where they put on random celebrities, but they they succumb to the 
how many celebrities can we get in an episode? And if you've ever seen the movie, I mean, it's just yeah. Oh, I, I don't even know what to say. Oh, wait, there's a movie? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I keep thinking there's a sequel, and there's not. There's just one, right? Yeah, for, is there two? No, there's See, just, I just, just tricked myself again. They it's they built movie. up like the audience hype to like entourage. Like Doug Eland was hashtagging entourage movie forever, and then the entourage movie came out, and it was like, oh, okay, we're good with one. I've I've mentioned this before on this pod, but Jerry Farrar told me offline. He's like, Twitter was only around for the movie and i'm so glad it wasn't around for the show he was like i just got we just got annihilated on twitter and that probably hurt the movie more than anything yeah so. well i mean because the movie wasn't good like it yeah. it's it's i've told you before it's still worth seeing but like i think i think twitter would have actually loved this show like the early seasons i think it would have actually the first been, couple seasons, it would have been yeah. something fun to have on sunday nights I actually yeah. think it would have just done the, a just the reactions to like funny yeah. drama moments mm-hmm. and like uh, you know celebrity cameos and all right uh, so that's celebrity cameos let's talk about perks every week we talked about like well this is gonna be a quick category but like I guess is just the perk being acquaintances with Matt Damon and LeBron James is it flying private it's from a pri- LA yeah the pri- I think it's a private jet it's the private yeah. jet yeah yeah Marty jet and Damon wearing the hat like honorable mention being <laughs> able to afford a ticket to New Zealand same day. As as Vince's driver, yeah, that, right. That's, like, that's a lot. At one point in season two or three, they they mentioned how much turtle mates a week, and it's not nothing, but it's not crazy. It's like twelve hundred bucks a week, right? So the, if you do the math on that, the guy's making, you know, at eighty grand a year. And I guess if it's all cash, he's keeping all all of cash, it, but, no bills. Like that's a good living. Yeah, yeah. I guess he can definitely. He's probably got enough stored up. If, if a last minute ticket to New Zealand is probably in the low thousands, of one, two, three k, like maybe. Cheaper sleeper again doesn't really apply. There are only two women. We've got Brooke, the UCLA girl, and I don't know is is Sloan worth keeping around? Would anyone here marry Sloan, the daughter of a rich CEO? Uh, you know, I don't. Know, maybe I'd keep her around a little bit longer. I remember watching the show and being like, "Why would he ever break up with Sloan? Like, why would he ever put that in jeopardy?" Like, I just don't get it. Even at the time, I was like, "I don't get it." I get it. You want to hang out with your friends, but dude. There's a bounce. That outfit, even in my twenties, even in my twenties, I was like, "Come on!" The all-white outfit at the end of the at the end of the show is like a you wreck your life for that. <laughs> you yes. burn it all down for that. Yes, yes, you made some big mistakes for that yeah. outfit. I will completely agree. I touched on this earlier, but in in marriage counseling, Perry Reeves, Mrs. Hart looks uh, incredible. She's dressed like they're going to the opera. She's dressed like they're going out for a night in the town, and it's like a you know Wednesday yeah. afternoon. I, I've I've been to I've like. been to therapy before, and that's that's not how I dress. <laughs> <laughs> how would this episode be different today, plot wise? If the same episode happened in twenty twenty two, how would it be different, Mike? What do you got? I didn't have anything good. I feel like the last episode when we did the plain one, I had a couple. Sure. Uh, that felt. I mean, this is kind of like dark. I don't know if. If this maybe maybe you can cut this, but I th- I thought like when Ari comes in with like the whole like shooting up the office, I was yeah. like, that's kind of like uh, <laughs> exactly what yeah, I wrote. That's what I had too. <laughs> that, I think that, they would have to find yeah, a different way to do that. Yep. Yeah, that's 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 sad. The world we live in. Gunshots like ringing the, out in a in a. The first thought office. in my head was like a disgruntled employee or owner like coming through just shooting everybody with a paintball gun. So yep. maybe they would do something different there. Mm. But I think the rest of the, the episode was pretty good on, you know, I don't know. They all had cell phones. There wasn't yeah. like anything where they're like, they couldn't get in touch with anybody. Sure. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe Kyle, I, uh, maybe Kyle's thing would be, uh, Jim Edmonds. Jim Edmonds. Being, yeah. The we hall get of a little fame. More shine, <laughs> shine for Jimmy Edmonds. Um, I, the one, like my, my thing too, was the paintball gun. They'd figure out a different, something else to do. 
distance, long distance relationships are much different now. FaceTime. I was thinking mm, about this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's just more ways to communicate. Like I, my relationship with my wife started out long distance. I was five hours and not New Zealand, but between their, you know, Jamie and turtles income levels are like, you know, turtle obviously having access to both Jamie's funds and uh, Vince's funds. Got to think like Jamie Lynn Siegler can live off the Sopranos. I would assume like she's, she's super comfortable. Between that, FaceTime, like I think, I think the distance barrier is way less of a thing than than Jamie puts on at the uh, in that. So I think that might be a different thing. It's a good point, especially considering like, yes, she's shooting a series in New Zealand, but that's like three or four months, and then she has to come home to her life mm-hmm. and her family in L.A. She's and also York, super optimistic about that show getting picked up, which yes. she's like, if we get picked up, it could be you know three or four seasons. Like, oh. <laughs> and like uh, it's almost like she said i'm moving to new zealand forever don't contact me but in, it's like she's going to film lord of the rings she's, just yes. gonna, uh, she's the star in peter jackson's new yeah and also in today's day and age with how digital everything is like turtle can have like doodle flight alerts on his phone and like he can book all this way in advance and like he in this episode he shows up in the ticket counters like i need a flight to auckland and, you know, it's the check is bad and it's probably thousands of dollars. It can just be more convenient. So, like you, my wife and I were long distance from Chicago to California for the first six to eight months of our relationship. And we, it was tough, but, like, you could make it work because of all the things we've talked about. And you just found cheap flights. Yeah. And he, you just made random schedules and weekends work. He could also do college online. He could do college in New Zealand. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's that's the, I've said this before. Every episode, the turtles in class. It's like this is all his business school is now all online classes. Mm-hmm. So he has to go to New Zealand. Maybe he stays there for three weeks out of the month and then just does classes online. Mm-hmm. So yes, I'll also say with the Ari thing, the I said the same point. You can't really walk through an office in downtown LA shooting any type of gun in any business setting. But Ari would be publicly firing people on Twitter. And Damon yeah. would be publicly asking Vince for money on Twitter. It would be like right. this, how you kind of air people out now or like, yeah, you know, I don't know how you say it, spill the tea or whatever. But Damon would be like, at Vincent Chase wrote me a, a check for 10K for at the, you know, one by one fund. Vince, hashtag more money for the kids or something like that. That's that's how that works these days. Damon it's would like slip, it to, slip it to a PR person who would slip it to TMZ. Like Damon wouldn't do it himself, but it would be a thing on TMZ of like Vincent Chase gave only yada yada yep. to charity. Yeah, and then it would be a much less interesting episode because we're not running into these people and they're not right. confronting each yeah. other, and it's just it sucks. But that's the way that's the world we live in now. Okay, faces in the crowd. I, I there aren't many like background characters that like stand out to me. I will say the the gold's therapist, Doctor Marcus. I've talked yeah. about her before, but Nora Dunn is Nora Dunn. Excuse me. She's a Saturday Night Live alum. She was on Saturday Night Live from 85 to 90, which a lot of people consider some of the better years of the show. And she was also in The Nanny for two seasons. And she's currently in the um, Topher Grace, Jimmy Tatro helmed uh, home economics. She plays Muriel. So she's still killing it right now. And just, you know, I love seeing her. She's only in like two episodes a season. She does a good job of kind of keeping Ari at bay. But I'll I'll shout her out because we haven't shouted her out in a while. Any other faces in the crowd? Like, did anyone jump out at you as... Is Fickner is Fickner? We're not counting Fickner's face. Fickner's Fickner, yeah. yeah. Man, We've God, talked about him the Fickner. last couple of weeks, but he's so good. And he's like, he basically becomes like a full time cast member next season, the season after with Johnny yeah. Bananas and all that stuff. But just awesome. So fucking good. Yeah. I, my desk two weeks ago, oh, our friend uh, Nick Deus yeah. was like, 
was like, oh, he's my celebrity cameo. And I was like, oh, yeah, what's his name? And he's like, oh, he's that guy from, you know, Armageddon. And I was like, yeah, that's why he's faces in the crowd. He's not a celebrity cameo if you can't identify William Fickner by name. What is, what is your Fickner? Like, what is, what is the definitive Fickner role? Uh, was he... No, I, I think of the Dark Knight. I think of the the first bank robber yeah. scene, and like with all the with all the Joker's. What about you? I think it's Heat. I like thinking of him yeah. just like just like sitting in that office, scared to death that the De Niro is coming with coming for him after he made a deal with with Wangro. I got some moves I could make. <laughs> Mike, I'm, looking, what's your I'm looking up this guy's IMDb. IMDb because IMDb, he's the uh, he's yeah. the quarterback oh God, for dude, the holy yeah shit. he's the quarterback for the cons in the longest yard. Jr. We did that on the show. I was on that. Yeah, yeah we we talked about yeah, that. Believable prison quarterback. Armageddon. Wow, an episode of Baywatch in 1980. Oh hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, I would probably say Armageddon on all this shit, but I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd be able to play some when I saw him. I'd go, oh that guy, that's that guy, that's that guy. Yeah. So. Who won the Sits Man Award for this week's episode of Entourage? Kyle, we'll start with you. Does Damon count? <laughs> no, let Damon doesn't count. Let's not do celebrity. Damon can't win every category. <laughs> uh, then, oh man, does Malcolm McDowell count? Is he too? Is he? I think. He I think. I, think I hope McDowell so. Comes, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think yeah, Malcolm yeah, McDowell plays like five minutes and he shoots four threes and then he injures the the team star player. Like he's fired. just his like silky smooth. He like literally like. That oh Andrew, I didn't know you were in the business. Still, he's a die. He's like not for you, not for any TV agent. He just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He's a legend. Malcolm McDowell is great. He's so good. Before that last scene, you know, he had a, one or two scenes before that, and I was like, all right, maybe it's Adam Davies. I always like him showing up. He yeah. always like makes me smile because he's like just this dude who pisses off Ari or whatever. But the last scene where Terrence goes into uh, Ari's office and gives that speech, it's great because it also. Uh, heightens Ari's acting too. Yep. Like uh, it, it, Jeremy Piven really, and he's good at those scenes. Like he's a good actor. He's good at playing, like bringing it down, being grounded, playing with some emotion. And that's what the Terrence character character does. So uh, yeah, it's helpful when you have somebody to play off of. And they're just two really good actors in that scene. So that dynamic of like your old boss who've had power over you for decades and you still feel like, you owe them something and he's literally like no i let you beat me because you were my boss i could kick your ass right now it's this weird like it's very bros being bros mm -hmm. if, we're, if we're going back to their other category it's just this like weird thing that like only men experience when they're in that situation if you have a male mentor or male boss just weird like budding of egos and bodies and heads and it's 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 encapsulated really well here and i don't think it really exists anymore because we're all in this weird work from home digital my boss i've never even met and i report to her once a week and it's like okay cool if you were to like be mad at me i'd be like oh just that random woman on that screen is mad <laughs> <Right>. at me <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> well with this too yeah, how often it was piven going toe-to-toe -to -toe in this show with an actor who's in kind of the same the same level yeah. as him because he, he and drama don't actually have that many scenes together they have a really good scene two weeks ago where dylan comes in and is like all right do you like me? Am I a good actor? Do you think I'm – do you care? And that's that's good. I think his stuff with uh, Gary Cole, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Andrew Klein, especially midway through the season, like Gary Cole's had a very similar career to uh, Piven, and they're both Chicago guys, yeah. so they have a little bit of a history. But you're right. He doesn't get to really, like, step it up except for these little moments with Terrence mm -hmm. or with – yeah. You know what I'm looking forward to, Terrence? No, what's that? Walking through this place Terminator style and eradicating all the dead weight. Wow, 
Unlike you, I have a soft heart. <laughs> soft as a diamond. Okay, can we dispense with the pleasantries? You know, my business hasn't done too badly over the years. But it could be doing so much better. And it will be doing better once we're done here, so let's move on. You were always so certain that you knew better than I. Barbara's right. Seeing is believing. But when I trim the fat off this shithole and put it all under the Miller Gold banner, you will see what it could have been if you would have kept me around. Oh, I look forward to that. <laughs> Except, of course, it won't be under the Miller Gold banner. I don't follow. Well, you obviously haven't read the addendum in the contract. What addendum? It was added in this morning. It's nothing, really. It's just that I want assurances that the 40-year-old Terence McEwick agency, which I founded, doesn't somehow lose its name. Well, that's not really for you to decide. Oh, the addendum says it is. Are you joking? Ari, we've only had our name for two years. How attached to it can you I be? like gold, okay? You can't pull this shit last second. You know, well, I wouldn't have thought I needed it. I mean, my lawyers didn't think I did. I mean, they said, what idiot would want to get rid of a brand name that is synonymous with entertainment and has been for nearly four decades? But... I woke up in a terrible sweat last night, and I thought, my God, I know what idiot would want that. Him! You got your price. You have no other say. Ari. I'm out of here. Come on, Ari. Don't let your unchecked ego bring you to your knees again. Ari! Come back and sign the fucking papers! Lloyd Lee, you got a new lease on life. You too, scumbag. We've kind of already talked about our favorite drama moments. Is there anything else? Is it is it the audition? No. If we had to pick a specific moment, it's the here we go. When he when he like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just it's just him going through the whole cycle of emotions like him in the beginning of the episode he's so dejected. He says I think my char uh, my character's headed for a coma. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, and then just like, like so that was the episode that was buried alive. That was the episode that I directly told you to fucking <laughs> wait, 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 was it really? Yeah. I it's started right, it's write, late. It's late on I, the East Coast. I We've started writing down, uh, <laughs> writing down lines, and I guess I didn't erase it's that fine. one. It's fine. Well, you know what? From that episode, too, I love where he's trying to... to no, fuck it. I'm going to keep talking about that episode. <laughs> That's my bad. But, but guys, I apologize. I'm sorry. Wait, isn't this the episode where he's trying to get on Melrose Place? Yep. Yeah. And he does the audition, but he has the impassioned speech to... Uh, Phil and well, Doug Allen yeah. plays the director. And that's one of the best drama moments in general. That's fantastic. Absolutely. It's on the it's on the top ten list. His plan of going to Italy isn't very sound. Uh it doesn't seem he's like, We'll go, baby bro, and hang out. And Vince's like, Well, I'm gonna be working. <laughs> and he's like, I'll you know, he says like he says some funny Johnny. Is that you we'll get lunch and you can blow yeah. steam. He's like there there is something like when he gets the news from Yodota that like I loved you. I thought you did a great job, but the network thinks you're too old. And he kind of is like, but I'll cut my hair. I'll... He's not, he doesn't even have the heart to be like, oh, I didn't shave that day. And and then you go to like lays it on him. Like, you're in a holding deal. This is better news. Drama turns to Vince and goes, they want to develop something for me to star in. And Vince goes, Johnny, that, that's amazing. He goes, yeah. And even more amazing, I'm coming to Italy. <laughs> and Vince goes, wait, you got a path? He goes, I brought some bads in the car. Like, he was planning on going to Italy the whole time. That's, that's a funny drama. It's not the best moment, but it's worth mentioning because it's very funny. The, 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 I, it's not super realistic because if anyone's ever given news to like a needy actor, <laughs> I've been there. I've been the needy actor. Like Johnny Drama would ask so many more questions to yes. Phil. He'd yeah. be like, when, when do they want to start developing? Should I call my agent? Do I have to yeah. sign something? Like yeah. when – what are they thinking in like time? Like, can I go to money? Wise. Like, I need, yeah, yeah money. I wise. See? Do you, is there like a guarantee up front? Like, he's just like, cool. 
You know, it's like when they see uh, set a date in a movie. They're like, how about Saturday? They're like, all right, see you then. You're like, wait, what's the details? <laughs> like, get the details. <laughs> but I know they were already at 36 and a half minutes. They had to end yeah. it. Yep, that's right. It was too long. It was going way too long for an episode of Entourage. It's really good. Hey, Phil, give me something officially great. John, you blew us all the way at the audition. Yeah, I know you, you told me that yesterday. I wanted to tell you again. So did I get it or not? In my mind, you didn't. Well, whose other mind is there? The networks. They didn't like me? They did like you. But they think you're too old, John. But I'm not. No. They think you are. I, I didn't shave yesterday. I could cut my hair. They're going younger, John. <sighs> well, I guess they got to do what they got to do. I got to tell you, I, uh, I thought you were going to put up a little more of a fight. I got no fight left in me, Phil. I left it all in that room. I know you did, John. And so does the network. Cool. In fact, they said that they think that you are finally ready to carry something. Oh, great. Let me know when they got something. They want to start developing something for you now. They want to give you a holding deal, and they want to make sure that nobody snags you up. Really? I've never had a holding deal before. Good times ahead, John. Thanks, Phil. You got it. Bye. They want to develop something for me to star in. Johnny, that's amazing. Yeah, and even more amazing, I'm coming to Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got a pack? No, I brought some bags, just in case. <laughs> Hold it, dude. It sucks the guy's gonna miss this. It sucks for them. Ari moments? I think we've covered them. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah. It's the beauty. I, I, we, we, we handle it all at the beginning, and now we're getting to the last couple questions. I have a big, I have a whopper coming at the end here, folks, so, so brace yourself. So who besides Vince won this week's episode about there are so many candidates we've got e who's now engaged drama who's out a holding deal lloyd who is now a full-fledged agent and ari who has acquired the agency that he helped build who who won can can kyle say matt i was damon? about to say matt, matt, damon. Damon. <laughs> matt damon ends this episode as matt damon which i think which is pretty good i think it's uh, ari i i think yeah. i think it's ari i mean this is uh this is the peak for him i i know I know he goes on to a bigger job, like in, you mm-hmm. know, but in terms of how much we care and in terms of Piven's acting and everything, I think this is it for Ari. This is like, this is final boss. Boom. He's beat Terrence. He's got the agency. He is at the top of Hollywood. It, it's Ari for me. The agency that he had to sneak out of the Zitzi fly thing in season three, he had to go work in that shithole. And then he partners with, Barbara Miller, like you, it's the end of a very, very long arc for Ari. Now, I don't think it was like something that we've been waiting for. Like it just, like I've mentioned, it came out like a week ago, and one episode ago that oh, Terrence wants to sell his agency. <laughs> oh, Ari, suddenly this is the biggest deal in the world to you. So I don't think it has a lot of legs, but it still is very, very satisfying nonetheless. I think, uh, I yeah, I think I wrote down Johnny drama. I mean, I know Ari has the big. Uh, the big thing, but if if Ari if that deal falls through, I mean, doesn't he still, he still yeah, have? He's still he's still, he's still a powerful agent. If Johnny Drama, he already got out of his show. If this doesn't work, he's fucked. Like he's not going to be poor because he's still Vince's brother. Yep. But his career is like back to square one, and he's like forty five yep. or whatever mm-hmm. he is. So I feel like he really had the biggest triumph uh, in terms of what was at stake uh, in his personal life. I, I know Ari's like had a bigger financial thing at stake but um 
I felt more like, oh, good for Johnny Drama than like Ari did the deal. Like Ari's fine. He'll be fine. Johnny Drama was like, you know, going to sell his condo again. Or I, something. I don't really. disagree. And the fact that a holding a holding deal is a big deal to an actor. Now, I also know that like actors did holding deals all <laughs> yeah. the time. Like, right. You, do you it, wonder why like after um, Mindhunter went off air, like all those guys weren't in anything for a year? It was because like yeah. Netflix was holding on to them in case Fincher wanted to make more Mindhunter. Man, and, that like, just punched me good. in the gut. God, Sorry. I miss Mindhunter. Sorry. <laughs> well, and then, by the way, Mindhunter season two was one of the best seasons of television uh, Incredible. ever. Incredible. But... It's it's like a steady paycheck. It's like it's right. like making like a living way. It's not like incredible because they're. But I think I think for drama in a way it represents like I've ascended to a new level of my acting career where people can take me seriously and think that I am a good enough actor to lead a vehicle. And that to him is the big victory because I don't think mm-hmm. the actual money behind it or the actual details are even good because we we did forward the next season like it's about to run out and he has to find a, a show quickly and he's right. scrambling a bit um but Johnny's I think it's bananas. a big deal and i think that's i think it's more of like an emotional win for drama yeah. than it is like a professional and that's game. all he needs at this point because he spent yep. 15 years getting his shit kicked in i guess just to round it out i'll say he wins because he gets engaged to the hottest most richest most coolest ready to have a threesome and throw it all away on a five six irishman yeah who hangs out too much with his boys yeah i'll be honest and, and i've kind of alluded like i'm a romantic and like if i'm in this situation if i'm one of these guys i'm the dude who's driving her out to malibu over promising getting in a fight and then getting engaged somehow from it that's like, in my friend group i'm that guy so I, you'd have a better you'd have a better plan than he did though. I he think didn't I have would. a plan. Yeah. Oh. He had no plan. But I, like, that's have... the thing I relate to the most. If it was me, Sloan is pregnant four seasons ago. Like <laughs> we're not leaving anything to chance. It's <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> Second to last question was this an A list, B list, or D list episode of Entourage? You can do pluses or minuses. Kyle, we're in agreement, right? This is A. This is A. This is A plus. This is this A plus yeah. top five for me. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> no, uh, hold on, hold on. Let me let me finish, and then I want to hear your point. So I think the weakest point is maybe Turtle, just because like, it's it's just a bummer to see him like struggling with the girl, and but everyone ends on a high note. We did this great moment. We had these great great, great cameos. But Mike, you disagree. What would you grade this? Can you say C? I thought it was like a C. It was fine. Wow. I. I didn't care really. About, I cared about Johnny Drama. Okay. And Ari had some great acting scenes. Yep. And I guess. But Vince was a total nothing burger. Matt Damon obviously is Matt Damon. He's a movie star. He was good. But I felt like all the added stuff of it, I'm like, I get it. We're doing an infomercial for your charity. Like, I get it. <laughs> and I fucking Jets, get it. Yeah. yeah. So it just felt like a lot of the stuff that starts to make Entourage feel bad in the later seasons um i didn't ha- i thought it was a good episode it was fine but i just i'm doubting myself because you guys are like loved it and i thought there were much better episodes but yeah that's that's my piece i didn't I, i'm not hating on it i mean there was funny time ta- funny lines drama's great in it jeremy piven's great in it Ter- uh, terrence character's great in it so i i thought it was kind of an uneven episode and you know what that's totally fair i'm watching this show right way too closely Kyle's a big time but, fan of the show. Go ahead. But but also I guess I'm coming at it from the last episode I saw was the one we watched together a couple of months ago. So 
this may we be We didn't watch like, it together. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we, we should all watch together. Let's do it. This may be, though, this may be, though, if you're going through and you're watching, you're like, this is the perfect episode to end the season. It ties everything together. It, like, ends on a high note versus just swooping in yep. and, and just watching a random episode. Maybe it doesn't hit the same. And that's where I have to give you and every desk that comes on here credit. Like, it's tough to just drop in in the middle of something that I'm watching so closely and feel the same way that I feel. But I'm also going back to how I felt when I watched this. And Kyle and I were younger than you, Mike. And, like, watching this in college, I was a junior, Kyle was a freshman. And, like, after all the shit that Vince had been through a season ago and the up and downs of E, and, like, this season was a little weird. Like, there were the Ashley stuff. And and then it all ends and they all are just killing it. And we did, like, the greatest cameos ever. I'm like, oh, man, what a great feeling this left me with. And that's what I'm remembering. I would say the highs in this episode are some of the highest highs that Entourage yes. can get to. And I mentioned this offline. It is remarkable that they can get not only the A-plus list actor, an A-plus list athlete. Jim Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> Should be Hall of Famer, Jim Edmonds. And then it falls off the farthest cliff ever uh. at the beginning of season seven. Like, literally. And that's what's so remarkable to me. So... This is the last question that we're going to ask, and this is a l- worth a bit of a discussion. And Fraser Tharp, senior entertainment editor at GQ, who we've had on this podcast plenty of times, initially posed this theory to me, and I completely agree with it, but I want to hear what you guys think. Should this have been the last episode of Entourage ever? Now, before I, want your, before I get your answers, I want to talk through what happens in the next two seasons of Entourage. There are, Eight episodes of Entourage, we just did... I'm sorry, eight seasons of Entourage, we just did the end of season six. There are 18 episodes left, and in those 18 episodes, Vince hits his head, starts dating a porn star. She's a Twitch streamer problem. now, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he, uh, e and Scott Lavin take over Murray Berenson's company. Sloan's father, Terrence, asks E for a prenup. Turtle starts a limo business, fails, then gets Mark Cuban to invest in Avion, a tequila company that Vince is now the face of, and also... Uh, the Marty Jet guy who's in this episode happens to be the owner of. Billy Walsh is now a devout religious guy, starts a family, becomes an ordained minister. He wants to start a new, you know, writing career, so he writes a show for drama called Johnny's Bananas. Ari almost gets a deal done with Jerry Jones to bring an NFL team to LA. Very prescient. But Lizzie Grant and Emmanuel Daniels basically cancel him via like an audio recording that they have. Very, very like, you know, resonant for twenty twenty two. And Mrs. Ari leaves Ari after losing so much respect for him and him not spending enough time at home. Season 8, Vince goes to rehab. Comes out of rehab a changed man. Ian Sloan have broken up. Sloan starts dating Johnny Deletti and E sleeps with Sloan's godmother. Ari begins dating Dana Gordon. Andrew Dice Clay gets in the mix. Vince falls in love with journalist played by Alice Eve and decides on a whim to fly to Paris to marry her and at the very end of the show Ari quits his job, reconciles with his wife, but even after promising her to never work again in the final moments of the final episode, it's an offer to be CEO of time Warner by John Ellis, who wants Ari to be his replacement. So all those things being said, all those things that we've seen happen and know happen. Kyle, should this have been the last episode of Entourage? I think you reading all of that just gave me a fucking ulcer. <laughs> um, I, one thing I want to say is this show Let's made the most cowardly fucking decision ever when they get Vince, they commit to this Vince is a Vince gets hooked on drugs bit, 
and they get him out of rehab and then they do a thing where he basically says, Oh, I, I'm not an ad. Like I can do this. Like I like, right. I can, I can smoke weed. I can drink a beer. Like yeah. to, to where you still, Oh, Vince is still cool. Like he can still, he can still do stuff instead of just, yeah. instead of running with that and being like, Vince has to stay clean and sober. And th- that is like a, cause that's like not what addiction is like. The reset. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's the most ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of the most ridiculous things that's ever happened. It sucks. Yeah. I would say aside from getting, some resolution for Billy Walsh because mm-hmm. last last we've seen Billy Walsh, Medellin is tanked and he has gone off the reservoir yep. and we don't yep. we don't hear from. Him. Other than that, six th- this episode wraps up everyone. I think if you adjust this episode and if you're going into it, Turtle has a different end. If you have something that's just a little more upbeat for Turtle, um, and so maybe him and Jamie are gonna try to do it like what you know gonna try to like make it work or maybe like they split amicably and he's happy with it and he's like vince i'm starting you know start my own company like it's like the i'm I'm not actually gonna spoil that show but um (laughs) it's like schitt's creek like how if you've seen schitt's creek someone decides to do something on their own that i think something like that and other than that everything is tied up perfectly i think i think people would have been pretty happy with it even Turtle's plot of, like, I'm heartbroken, but I'm just going to fly from New Zealand to Italy to meet my boys and have a... Like, if you just kind of, like, massage that a little differently, maybe the flight to New Zealand happens an episode earlier, and then this finale is just Turtle arriving in Italy with drama and Vince, and you're like, those guys are going to have a fucking ball mm-hmm. in Italy. Ari's the head of the Bittis Agency, and Ian Sloan are engaged, and, uh, and Lloyd's finally an agent. That is literally a five-for-five five just, like... And, and drama has a holding, a holding deal. deal. Vince is fine. Vince, Vince is Vince is back at the top of the mountain. You don't have to worry about him. You also don't really care about what the we talked about this, Jr. I think like way back when, like what would Vince's career be like, and would he end up competing for Oscars, and and would his movies be good and stuff like that? And at this point, you're just like Vince makes good money. The Ferrari movie is probably good. The Gatsby movie was good. Like we're we're good. Vince is good. I th- I think though, if this is the final episode, I mean. Uh, we love all the supporting characters, but the main character of the show is Vince, and he has yeah. nothing to do this whole episode. He has nothing he's, to do this whole season, Mike. This whole season, bore, he's but playing he's boring. Yeah. You can't have the final episode of a show, and the lead character, the movie star, is just boring. Mm-hmm. Like, he has nothing. But the rest of the stuff, I agree with. I think they realized that he was boring, though, and that's why they shifted into all yeah. these people and then tried to, like what JR said, tried to do that, that big left turn and be like, oh, we gotta, we forgot about Vince. I mean, they literally end this episode with Damon calling Vince a shitty actor over, like, a voicemail <laughs> in Haiti. And it's, like, it's almost like they were more aware, self-aware than anyone would give them credit. Like, it's almost like they were poking fun at the fact that, Vince, you were never that good in whatever he says, Medellin and, you know, Aquaman. And I don't know. I, I know why Ellen and company continued because they were at the top of the world. This is one of the – yeah, right. Kyle's making the money symbol. It's just, like – you made my but Jerry Farrar himself was like I didn't really understand some of Turtle's entrepreneurial endeavors. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. I liked him trying to step out on his own and be his own man, but towards the end, it it didn't work for me as the guy fucking playing Turtle. Like it just. And then right. when you think about every character's art, I just kind of sped speed read through them. You're like that's all sounds messy and dramatic and almost like a soap opera, and that's that's where we are. They do end at the uh, at the airplane hangar and both scenarios right do. isn't that how yep. I, I do like the song they use at the in the finale going to california, right? song. Going yeah. to california yeah a really good one um which I is may a really or good may song. have not walked down the aisle to that song not with my wife but myself because like i you know the, the good song walks, yeah and i was in california i was in big sur we're in this fucking overlooking the ocean and i was like 
I moved to California eight years ago. I'm the only person in my life who's ever left. And yeah. I was like, going to California would be a pretty good song. And let me be honest with you guys, I might have thought of an entourage when I did that. That's <laughs> the move. That's the move. Uh, You're so like, where's Sloan? The cool thing, where's too, Sloan? is you had only met your my, wife. My wife. You had met your wife, my wife 48 is more beautiful. hours before. My wife is more beautiful than Sloan. <laughs> perfect, <laughs> you, you had perfect. met your wife 48 hours before, just like Vince had. <laughs> well, my, my answer on what this could be the last episode yeah, what do you think? I mean, like, I mean, the last two seasons are not good. Yeah. So, but I think the problem is, I, I like I said, I gave this episode to see. You start to see a little bit of it in this season, or even the season before. Entourage from the first ep- from the first episode, it always has fun. It always had fun cameos, right? There's always cameos. It's a part of the show, but it kind of transitioned from like, oh, that was a fun cameo to like, look at all these cameos. Yeah. And it becomes this thing where, like Kyle said, they they feel like they have to do something with vince but they realize that for six seasons he's just been you know you just project yeah what oh he's a movie star whatever so it's tough to just start inserting all these storylines because the fun part about entourage is seeing the guys hang out it's all about male friendship Mm -hmm. it's all about the journey and all that stuff so when everyone's made it and there's all these like plot heavy things it's not about the plot it's about the vibes Mm -hmm. the vibes bro it's all about the vibes so once you lose the vibes and it becomes all these like plot points it's like a lot less fun kind of like the office yeah the show is called entourage it's not about the guy it's about the guys around the guy and i don't by the way like we said about the office like i would never fault anybody for being like i think we'll do this now like yeah how many episodes of tv can you make like i especially a show like this like this show could be four seasons or five seasons and it would be perfect Mm -hmm. But it's just – I get it. People want more. You make more. I kept watching. It's just I don't know what you do the later seasons of these well, shows. Well, it's really interesting they do season seven with the intent of doing a season eight. Like because you, yep. you couldn't have left off on season eight because right. people would have been like completely what the fuck. But it's like with this one, you, you could have ended this comfortably with people feeling okay. It's not like, like people – like you think about how Game of Thrones, like the last season was kind of shit. But you could not have – yeah, but you could not have ended it – the, either of the previous two seasons people just would have had too many questions there was there was nothing resolute i think to be more successful like if you're looking at this in retrospect if you decide we are going to do a season seven it needs to stay like exactly what mike said about hanging out about the vibes smaller problems but like you're working towards something positive maybe vince is like i'm t- like I'm I'm making a lot of money. Like I'm tired of being thought of as just like a movie star. Like I want. It, yep. It's kind of the kind of the plot of the movie. Like he's trying to make a serious film. Like he's trying to direct, but it would be Vince. Like yes. I'm trying to make a serious film. I'm trying to be a better actor or something like that. And like I I think something like that would have been better. But like let's just keep it a little lighter and peppier because I don't think even when things got kind of dark earlier, it was still always light and peppy. Yeah, and even in the, it's funny because like even in the early seasons, the stakes are high. But it still felt like light. Like if Vince doesn't get a movie or Vince doesn't, they're fucked. They have to go back to Queens or whatever. They have no money for a whole season. Yeah. But in the but in the later seasons and in the movie, the stakes are high, but not really. Like it's like, oh, if this movie bombs, I'm like, who cares? You have forty million dollars. Like it doesn't. So there's that aspect too. It's like it's like the the whole thing of trying to watch someone make it and then start to make it is really fun. And then when they've made it, you're like, who cares if your movie got a 40 on Rotten Tomatoes versus 60? Like, I yeah. don't. It doesn't matter. So again, it's hard. It's a hard problem to have when you when you shoot fucking 80 episodes. I don't know what you do. You 96. Uh, Kyle and I have talked about this before, but like season seven being like Vince is trying to win 
an award and be considered a serious actor and going to acting school. And it's not as sexy as Coke Problem and Porn Star, and it's probably right. not like as interesting. But like for the character, it makes more sense than right. I just tried cocaine for the first time after being in Hollywood for ten years, and I <laughs> love it so much that I'm going to flush it all down the toilet. And I, believe me, I've got to figure out a way now to talk about this for 18 hours and I don't know how I'm going to do that. And I'm genuinely just asking this question because it's like, do I end this podcast here? Probably not. I'm a completionist. I've done 80 episodes of this and there are 18 left to go. Like it's, it's not that bit of a deal to, to finish it out, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's tough. Cause you don't want to be just like shitting on it the whole time. No, too, and exactly. Right? And like, it's t- even this season, Every time we talked about Ashley, I had to kind of bite my tongue a bit. Oh, she's the fucking worst, though. But, like, if you look at it critically. So, I don't know. I kind of figured those would be your answers, and it's kind of mine. It's like, yeah, probably. But uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. These guys had no idea that right. that creative swing would go over so poorly and that the next 18 episodes would be regarded as some of the worst in the show's run. And that's just I, – I don't, I don't know. I don't know a show. Yeah. No, I, I don't know a show. I'm sure there are one or two. That has gone on that long. Stop that the last reading. that the last couple seasons have been good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even like my favorite shows. I, honestly, dude, Seinfeld, the one of the funniest shows of all time. I feel like after season six, still great, still funny. It gets kind of weird. It gets yeah. a little wacky. Yeah, yeah. It gets like ooh, and it's like super funny. But like, I get it. I get yeah. it. So it's tough to it's tough to do. The thing I'll That's say. That's why I've created zero <laughs> TV shows. I've created zero. <laughs> the thing I'll say, like uh-huh. podcaster to podcaster. Is as you know, I think the movie Trouble with a Curve is a crime against humanity. <laughs> and it's been one of my favorite episodes, so much so that I've covered it twice on the show. So like you can there's fun stuff to talk and it like I'll, I'll give everyone a chance to plug their stuff with I'm you. just saying <laughs> the, thing, the thing with season seven and with Entourage is I feel like you will you'll find there will be a bunch of points where there will be like it's like you know the choose your own adventure book that we all used to do when yeah. we were kids. It's like Love it. man, if they would have just taken a this a little bit differently there there was a softer way to land this and you write too that it does get very overwhelmed by all the brand placement as well there was like yes there was easier yes. ways to do that but it's just like i it, it seems like it tr- they just took too big a swing and it would have been a lot more interesting because like once you get to where vince is like most actors like vince is on the way just like i am trying to survive i'm trying to make this money and then it's like okay i'm trying to i'm trying to get to where i have staying power and then if you if you're the rare few actors that can get to that point then you start thinking about your legacy what am i am i just going to am i am i going to be the rock like am i just going to yeah. am i just going to bankroll movies but i'm really never going to be in anything that serious i'm not going to be try to be a serious actor am i going to you know, am I going to try to turn myself into Christian Bale or something like that? Like, you know, they, so it would have been interesting Vince grappling with that. But then it's just like drugs are fun. <laughs> <laughs> and this porn star is cool. Guys, we've gone two hours on this episode of Entourage. That is 37 minutes long. I can't tell you how much I appreciate both of you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate both of you showing up every season for me in this little podcast about this show that we all watched when we were in our 20s and 30s uh this has been a lot of fun thank you both for doing this i will probably invite you both back at some point in season seven and season eight and we'll try to clean some humor and we'll all do a shit ton of cocaine and and drink tequila (laughs) i'm palm springs you guys i got it lined up out here just come on out mike where can the listeners of oh yeah oh yeah find you follow you watch you 
Um, you can go to 60secondclassics.com. That's where I put up all my videos. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at mcamerlingo or Instagram is at 60secondclassics and TikTok is at 60secondclassics. That's right. You're, you've, joined uh, the, you've joined the cult. I like TikTok. I post it and I get off. Uh, it, yeah. I can't like watch videos on there. My brain's too old or something. <laughs> and then I don't like Instagram either. I fucking think it, I, I'm like one of those assholes who just likes Twitter. That's yeah. that's me. Yeah. I only I only do Twitter. I, I'll, yeah. I'll watch TikToks, but I don't I don't post TikToks. That's kind of how we all know each other. If you think Twitter, about it. that's how we all Twitter. met yeah. was Twitter. Yeah, I feel like Twitter is the easiest way to nah, I guess Instagram kind of you can kind of see people. But yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Kyle. God bless. God bless. Uh, big screen sports the podcast where all movies are sports movies. That is that comes at you every Monday. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, you like talking about Jim Edmonds uh, <laughs> from, from Phenom to the Farm. That's an interview series that I do for Baseball America. That comes at you every other Tuesday. I don't know who's going to be on the next episode because I'm trying to book that right now. So uh, big big mystery guest next time. But uh, yeah, the, and then uh, I'm I'm at Kyle Banduho on Twitter and. Uh, that, that's that's all I do, social media. It's always a pleasure to see both of you. I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad we were able to crack some cold ones while we did it. And uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be a little bit of a break before I start season seven, and I will, you'll definitely be getting the call. So uh, I appreciate you both. I hope everyone listening has a happy holidays and they enjoyed this episode. And uh, I don't know. I won't talk to you guys next Monday. I'll talk to you guys in a few weeks. How's that sound? Victory! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right, baby bros, special bonus segment of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah for the season six finale. He joined us just at the end of last season for the season five finale, Return of Queens Boulevard. He is the senior entertainment editor for GQ, and he's a born and raised New Yorker. Fraser Tharp, welcome back to the Entourage podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's a Saturday morning, so, uh, you know, we're both a little sleepy. You were having some appliance issues. I may have had a few drinks last night, so uh, <laughs> we're, maybe we're a little low energy for this segment of the pod, but we'll, we'll get it up. Had to have you on to talk about music. Always, always appreciate your perspective. You know a lot more about music than I do, that's for sure. So I want to talk about the season six finale. I don't know if it's worth going through all the songs in order, but a couple of standouts from this episode that are worth mentioning, in my opinion. And I want to, I want to hear from you what else jumped out of you, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about them individually. Kind of an obvious one is when Ari gets off the elevator and starts paintballing everyone. It's How You Like Me Now by The Heavy. It's just got that kind of upbeat drum and like it's, you know, it's in every fucking car commercial and every, it's a little overplayed, but it works really, really well for that scene because of him kind of ascending the mountaintop and uh, acquiring TMA. So I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of want to, I want to open it up to you as well. Like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on like Phoenix? This is, this is Phoenix's heyday back then. We have Listomania while the boys are boarding the, uh, the, the, the PJ. Oh man. I love Phoenix. You kidding me? GQ did uh, like their big comeback. He did like a digital cover with them earlier this year. Cause it cool. had been, they, they hadn't been that long, but it had been like significant amount since their last album. And it was a whole like nostalgia tour to this time. Cause this is, this is what, like 2007 something, right? Yep. This is off the, uh, their fourth album, Wolf Dane Amadeus Phoenix. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they released that in 2008. <laughs> Ridiculous name, but incredible time in music. 
you know, I was just at Austin City Limits earlier this year, and I was just kind of, you know, general admission walking around with a buddy, and we ran into one of his friends who worked for Honda, and he's like, where are you guys going? I think we were going to see, like, Nathaniel Raycliffe or something, and he goes, no, come to the Honda stage with me. I have backstage access to watch Phoenix. And I was shit. like, oh, shit, I have saw Phoenix back in 2009 and 2008, like, right this time period at, like, the House of Blues in Chicago, and we stood backstage for Phoenix's performance, and it was one of the best performances I've ever seen live. Maybe because I was standing like ten feet from them, but it was still wild. They they brought it for sure. <laughs> oh man, I've never seen them. I gotta do that. They have good energy. You know, they play the hits at a festival, and then you know, drop some of the new stuff. I mean, is before we get to the <laughs> the grand finale, you know, Warhammer song that we wanted to talk about is there anything else from this episode that jumped out at you as maybe being a particularly good song? Yeah, actually, I think you know, like. Obviously, we're, we're zeroing in on the music, so we got to give it up to the homie Scott Benner. 1,000%. There are just little things that he does, like, beyond the fireworks that are always so impressive. Like, this was the first time, well, I haven't watched this episode in a while, so maybe, but I noticed that they have, um, he has, like, an R&B classic in here during the, uh, when Turtle's hooking up with the sorority girl. Uh, like, the it's like Case, Foxy Brown. Yep like touch me tease me just playing in the background which is like not you know like music supervisors today would just overload the episode with whatever's out right now and he has a good scott always had like a good ear for just like mixing in classic shit with new stuff that you wanted like there's in 2008 there's definitely a song that could have like sounds like that was on the radio yeah but you know he just slid in like a like an actual certified classic and it's not even like an overwhelming like you have to be listening to catch it a worse music producer would have done like an Usher song or something like that or like uh yeah or something even even if it was older something more obvious like yeah. just like a very subtle and also keeps in line with the character like it's it's a song that Turtle probably would have put on yeah that's an awkward scene I know you haven't probably rewatched <laughs> the episode but like watching our boy lay there like a dead fish while Janet Kramer is like trying to get with him is like dude come on Turtle yeah I gotta <laughs> say they I gotta really give that up to the casting department for really doing their job casting a girl that could compete with jamie lynn and really you know just put turtle in the box it's wild i i must have because i'm 34 i must have missed the Jana kramer thing but i remember thinking she was smoking during this episode and this like little arc of the ucla girl but every guest i've had on frazier has been like oh i've been in love with her for decades and i'm like what this is the only thing i think i've seen her in but i mean she definitely made a mark from the show but i don't i can't recall like anything else tree hill apparently my wife knows her more than i do yeah and then then apparently from what i understand she's like a huge country music star so like oh wow i I guess she has this whole country music career she's had like five billboard charting hits yeah so this was but this was her very first thing and that's always cool to see with this show let's do it let's talk about and i want to talk about music and entourage in general though i can't go five more minutes without and, uh, talking about in my lifetime like it's it's, it's perfect it's so fire and so perfect that uh, let, let me do a little bit of the, the the facts and then let's just talk about it in general it's in the final scene ian sloan are engaged drama and uh vince are flying to italy turtles meeting them there in my lifetime is a debut single by american rapper jay-z it's produced by ski and contains samples from oh baby by aretha franklin and two soul to soul songs back to life and did a life it was originally released as an indie label release by Rockefeller Records in 94. It was later re-released as a single on Payday Records in 95, but there were royalty conflicts with the label, 
and they brought it back to Rockefeller Records. This remix that we listened to in this episode was only featured on the Streets is Watching soundtrack. So this did not debut on either of Jay-Z's first two uh, albums. However, this is considered one of his first singles. Please yeah. correct me if I'm wrong on any of that. Totally right. Uh, there's an original version that is not well it's like it's nearly just as good it's like a little bit more rappy the, the beat is less like ethereal in this i think uh his mentor jazz co-produced the beat yep. for the remix that we hear here but um yeah like original original jay-z one of those things where it's like especially back in like the cd era it's like it, it was always a big deal when when like something found a home like you'd have these yep. floating singles that you couldn't listen to really anywhere so it was, I'm sure like now it's like, why is this on a soundtrack for a Jay-Z film that has nothing to do with? And he moved on from making songs that even sound like this musically, but it, it's good to like have it somewhere, you know? Do you remember when you watched this episode live in, in September of 2009, do you remember when the song dropped having a reaction? Oh, dude. yeah. Like <laughs> it's one of the, like, you know, we can't, we can't underplay the moment here. You know, like we're talking about the music. It's a great scene. Like yeah. in every way, like the, you know, the, the fake out, getting off the plane, just an incredible fight, like Vince and drama looking from the window, like two, <laughs> two salty lost boys. Um, but the, you know, the music just really, it's like I said, it's like, you got to give it up to Scott and just like the art of music supervision. Like it's the bow that ties everything together. And I think instantly makes that like a memorable moment. Like I'm sure I watched a lot of TV in September 2008 or whatever but i this is like a like i can remember watching this i know you remember it because you tweet about it often and we've talked <laughs> about it often and that's why i had to have you on to talk about it now we were talking my, my desk who i had on uh earlier in this episode we're talking about how only good music plays when an entourage episode ends with them getting on a private jet. Like they've also had fake plastic trees once uh, oh, Ari dude. finds out he's getting a studio job and Vince and the boys are flying to Hawaii with the models. Uh, there's, I think there's another one coming up. Oh, yeah, no, the, the, the season eight finale, the series finale. Yeah. Yeah. When they're all boarding the flight to go to Paris for Vince's fake wedding, it's going to California by Led Zeppelin. I mean, those are three, if you put them in the pantheon of like outro and credit songs, those are three of the top ten, and they all take place in season finales as the boys are boarding a private jet. Well, and I think we got to give Entourage credit. Like, you know, I'm always singing Entourage's praises because it's yeah, one of the few underrated at this point. <laughs> but it's like, I think the, the hangar scene itself is like a thing that they mastered that yeah. you know, like should go shouldn't go under look something about like the sun setting in la yeah, and like playing these... like it's just you know they hit it like like you said like the fake plastic trees one that's another one where it like immediately stuck out at me like you know the yeah. perfect song perfect moment um i can like pinpoint that scene in ways that i can't for other television at all so outside of the private jet you know, outro end credit songs. Are there any other songs just over the course of the 96 episodes of this show? I mean, any other just like needle drops that like, you know, stopped you in your tracks or made you take note that you remember after all these years? If I'm thinking like off the top, like if you gave me like 15 minutes, I could, I could give you a full list. But if I'm thinking off the top, there's one that like, I actually do think about all the time. I couldn't tell you, I know the season. I don't, I don't remember which episode it is. Try me. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. It's the so the Carla Gugino arc, right? Original when she's the agent and um her and Vince finally fall apart 
because Ari was playing some games, events. It's a stupid, it's like one of my least favorite episodes because I think. Yeah, she's trying to get Vince to do the period piece. and Yeah, but also like he just like, I felt like that was a uh, relationship they needed to fall apart and they just didn't know how to actually fall apart. So he like Vince gets convinced that she torpedoed a job because she didn't want him to like go away to set. <laughs> all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden Vince is super insecure in that yeah, episode when so, he's the chillest motherfucker on the planet the entire show. Anyway, they, they meet at a restaurant and he shows his ass and she kind of just like, you know, Carla's such a great actress. She does yeah. more than, like than what's given to her. And she, uh, she kind of just clearly decides that she's had enough with this yeah. and, and, while also like proving that he was wrong and is a dumbass and uh so it's their breakup but it's like uh the far sides running plays oh yes yeah. that's a deep fucking pull dude i i i love it and that like that's like that is like a moment like i i just think about even when i'm doing like my own writing just like like landing like that like and that's a, again like not to to oversing Scott's praises because that guy has enough. That's just like a, a such a great moment of the music elevating a moment beyond what it kind of even deserved, right? Like I just you know they, with all due respect, they just yeah. didn't really close that arc off in the, in the strongest way. But like that song makes it feel like a bigger moment than it really is. And you're going to kick yourself when you find out what episode it's from. It's from season three. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how they did it back then. It's episode 17 of the two-part season three, but it's Return of the Taint. It's the, Is that the, one with the horse? Rosh Hashanah episode. Yeah, with the horse. Yeah. And it's it's Ari and uh, Nick Rubenstein racing around. On, I'm sorry, not Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, trying to close the deal to get the Magian money. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's such a good episode. And like, you know, Vince and... E and the boys are just like at the racetrack pounding tequila shots while all this real important shit's happening. And it ends with uh, Vince and Amanda breaking things off. Uh, I, I agree with you on the Amanda plot. Could have been handled better. I liked it as a distraction for Vince. I liked it as a, a veer. But I think we did talk about this back then too. Like maybe maybe, maybe didn't land the plane. Sorry, Vince. <clears throat> are you? What does that mean? It means, Amanda, I chased this movie for two years harder than I've chased anything in my life. I wanted it so badly. I know, Vince, and I wanted it for you. It doesn't feel that way. No? How does it feel? It feels like you've stalled. And I'm just wondering, are you stalling as my agent because you don't like the project, or as my girlfriend because you don't like the idea that I'll be gone for six months? Ari convinced you that I stalled. I lost the project. What difference does it make who it was? The difference is you have never let Ari go. Well, maybe I shouldn't have. No. Maybe you shouldn't have. But let me just tell you this. I didn't lose the movie. The movie was lost when Nick Rubenstein barged into Arthur Gadoff's temple for the second time this afternoon, like the spoiled little baby he is. Now, Arthur pays people to make his life easier, but today, Nick didn't do that. Instead, he aggravated him even more. And I know this because Arthur called me right after sundown. And you know what he said? This movie was plagued since day one. I'm gonna cut my losses. But I love Vince, and I'd love to do just about anything else with him. Let's set a lunch. I feel stupid. Probably doesn't happen to you a lot, huh? <laughs> so what do we do now? Now, Vince, we say goodbye. 
I woke up this morning and was like, maybe I'll rewatch the finale again. And I watched these episodes, Frazier, like three <laughs> or four times. And I was like, I can't. I've watched this. And especially this finale that like I've already seen a million times. So here's what I did. I, while I was eating breakfast this morning, I threw on the pilot. I was like, how does the music of the pilot age? And it ages beautifully. Just a few few track names from the pilot. The very opening scene of the pilot is Bang Bang Boom by Dradon featuring Swiss Beats. Turtles walking through like, the parking lot into the cafe. It's when we meet the boys for the first time. Vince and the boys riding the limo to the head-on premiere. We've got Rocky Mountain Way by Joe Walsh. This one's pretty well known as they're walking the red carpet for the first time. We've got Eminence Front by The Who. So again, yeah. hip-hop to start it off. Plastic rock in the middle. The after party, the premiere, Hey Ya by Outcast, little stereotypical, but of the time. On the nose, but for that year, yeah. Exactly, 2004, it, it was fire. The boys hanging out with some lovely ladies at the indoor pool at their mansion, fire. Joe Budden featuring Busta Rhymes. <laughs> Later, while they're driving to Warner Brothers, Ooh by De La Soul, one of my favorite De La Soul tracks. And then the end credits of that episode are them standing on their porch. And Ari calls E and says, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell's doing Matterhorn. E hangs up and drama goes, he's good. And Vince goes, I hope you know what you're doing, Pizza Boy. And then Fucking Lucifer by Jay-Z and the Black Album drop. Hello, Eric. Hey, Ari. I'd like to talk to Vince. Yeah? He'd like you to talk to me. Okay, player, tell him Colin Farrell took Matterhorn. Fuck you! What do you say? Colin Farrell's doing Matterhorn. He's good. I hope you know what you're doing, pizza boy. That's the only one I can compare this ending to. Yeah. But I, in my lifetime, is a clear number one for me. I think Lucifer would be a, like a pretty close number two because just that that mix of music that I just described to you, I'd never seen that before in a television show. Well, I don't think I've ever seen it since, to be honest. No, with you. well, not not to this level at least. But like two things. So it's like you know the um, mythology behind the Lucifer song, of course, was like how Scott pretty much got the job. Cause he wasn't, he wasn't on the show um, originally, but he and Doug were just cool outside of uh, Hollywood and he was playing the pilot for him. And, and Scott was like, it has to end with this song. <laughs> yeah. Like what a flex, honestly. Hey, let me tell you how to do your job. Yeah. It's yeah. So, good. so I, forget, I forget if he told me what it, what it was originally ending with, but he was like, no, like, come on this, this is it. And then that goes into my other point, which is that one of the whole reasons he had to have me offer this one, we always talk about it. Yeah this would have been the perfect series finale the transition and like here here's just like one of many reasons why it's like that would have been a crazy full circle thing full circle pilot jay-z finale jay-z um think of the approval rating of entourage dude. if it had ended after this would have been about 80 episodes total an 80 episode show goes for six seasons is strong pretty much the whole way we kind of have like some uncertainty with you know magian and vince and all that after the fact but He's climbed out of that. He's now back to making $20 million a year. 
And now he's heading off to like try a different phase of his career. Drama has gotten a holding deal. Ian Sloan are engaged. Turtle failed at love, but is starting to succeed at business. Like every, and then Ari becomes the head of the biggest agency in the world. Every single plot is perfectly entourage right it now. It would have been like, the perfect ending. <laughs> so what's funny is I never thought that theory. And then you tweeted it once and I said, that's so good and made so much sense to me. And I've just repeated it ad nauseum on this podcast. And I'm glad you're here to talk about it. I, I, I sent you a little run sheet with like everything that happens in season seven and season eight. Do you have a chance to look at that? Did you like anything that happens in season seven or season eight? Or is there anything that you were like, oh, you know what? Like I enjoyed this journey I went on with this character. I'm not trying to be so general with that yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't hate everything in season seven or season eight i, I think that's a little disrespectful but. the thing about eight is that it essentially recreate tries to recreate this finale yeah. it's just it just doesn't hit the same at all because we've been through it like we mm -hmm. you know like even the idea like there, there should never have been another ian sloan breakup afterwards. yeah you know so just it's kind of just feels like a little microwaved copy paste but I did. I like. I like what season seven was going for. You know, like I think the, like the, the just the cliche fall from grace Hollywood actors spinning out yeah. of control. I think it just you know some of the pieces just weren't there to to like really make it that fire. I think one thing I was thinking about. I don't know if you and I talked about this last time or if I was just um, thinking about this recently. But like, it is crazy that what season seven must have been what like 2010 2009 something like that right season seven would have been 2010 correct it is crazy that like a full almost like six or seven years before like the whole me too movement already gets mm -hmm. canceled that that i i have noticed as being like pretty prescient like yeah. and it's like a, a full-on like we're gonna try to get you not only like lose your nfl team that's coming to la but like we're gonna get you in big trouble we're but, like it literally plays out in a way that if someone were to write that now, it would be like too ripped from the headlines. Exactly. Yeah. Like recordings and, you know, like the, it, really, really good stuff. Uh, well, I mean, Entourage was ahead of its time in a lot of ways and behind definitely. its time in a lot of ways. So I, I, I do agree with that. I think just back to, back to the Vince thing, which I'm going to talk about ad nauseum in, in the spring. I discussed this earlier this episode, but him having a fall from grace or like, you know, having problems that he's dealing with, creatively that's a swing that like i respect it's like a, a a new way to think about the character i just wish there had been some sort of seeds planted there'd been some sort of runway even in this season this season fraser vince has played pool and banged <laughs> girls every single episode with literally nothing else to do why couldn't we have seen him like when he's at his house by himself and we're focused on why couldn't we have seen him just start like dabbling in drugs a little bit or like yeah, yeah, start yeah. bringing around some unsavory characters or I mean the bitter and this is all hindsight 2020 like why couldn't this be the season that things are going really bad for Vince right like last season with Magian things were things were bad the Scorsese thing he's back to the mountaintop what if he fell right off that mountaintop and it was all and then season seven and eight were bringing him out of that helping him climb out of that yeah I just you know it's it's like on HBO and it has some like a different level of prestige, but at the end of the day, it's still kind of like a sitcom in essence. And I just think those shows or even any type of show that has like a formula, that, like even when they fired Ari, it's like, there's just a nervousness about like switching it up too much. Sure. Like, I think they would never, they like committed to the, the one season where it's not all wish fulfillment. And then 
it's kind of like all right we did this and if you want to really be like charitable this was an experiment to just like you know after coming off a big big Vince's career season to background Vince and then foreground the rest of the guys which mm-hmm. is essentially what it's, what it's doing it's just um you know some of the stuff like that it, foregrounding turtle means turtle going to school which is not <laughs> yeah it's like okay i could see that for an episode i don't need to watch it for half a season yeah. i thought the the whole like the e sloan plot actually do, does play out pretty interestingly and she's mm. kind of like setting him up to be her perfect guy if he wants to take the bait kind of deal yeah. It, yeah. This, is, this is the season where she like gets him the job and shit right gets him the job gets him the house to the very beginning of the season yeah, and so then... i mean i think he had a little bit of a row bump with that because the other girl just ended up being like a little too grating um and then the drama stuff is the the drama stuff is fun it just springs from like a very juvenile almost sophomoric thing that like oh no my boss is gonna fuck my friend's girlfriend like she like is he if she doesn't want like you know i don't yeah why is that your problem i guess is what you're saying but it's still yeah i'm sure drama feels partially responsible now i i i I will say that the end of this or the last three episodes of this season with drama being released from his five towns contract and then trying to get on the new melrose place and eventually having such a good audition that he gets a holding deal with the network that feels like a really nice end spot for the character he's been toiling away as this like bit actor for 18 years he says in that audition yeah so him finally being like considered or 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 successful enough to carry a thing that's being developed for him i didn't need to see johnny bananas be red i didn't need to see him do vo sessions with andrew dice clay it could have just been like johnny drama's headed off to something bitter and better finally and he's happy and that's where we, we, we and they have, isn't it, they have like a weird bit with like uh Sadget and no uh um, well that but he's like has a thing with like E's assistant that is weird and goes nowhere yeah right. yeah i'm rubbing my head because i have to remember all this and i have to talk about it <laughs> i mean the other thing is that like it just everyone brags on entourage for for its easy endings but this was like this finale would have been one where like it felt earned enough yep like we'd been through enough ian sloan strife no one can ever argue that drama has not suffered enough you know? <laughs> like, again like you said turtle the 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 playboy finally finding like you know getting actually like getting sprung so it, it would have felt like an appropriately happy ending whereas Correct. you know in two seasons we're gonna get vince falling head over heels for like a journalist because she's smart because <laughs> <laughs> he's never encountered a you know a smart female or at least they haven't in the show I think we would retrospectively look back on Entourage a little bit more fondly. We as a collective, like, oh, man, because people look back now and they always say, oh, you you like Entourage, like when Vince gets hooked on drugs and the porn and those blah, blah, blah. And you're like, yeah, but the first four and a half seasons of the show are pretty unassailable. They do stick the landing at the end of season six, and it would have been kind of a beautiful, perfect little package if we – I mean, but, you know, they chased the money, which, like, HBO was was handing to them, and I don't blame them – as I also creative, liked, um, I did like the Ari Dana Gordon stuff, actually. So so did I. It had been teased enough, yeah. right? But I didn't like the Ari, Mrs. Ari stuff. She leaves yeah. him because he gets too 
wrapped up in the Amanda Lizzie Grant drama that he basically has a meltdown at a restaurant and she's like, I've lost respect for you and you don't respect me. It's like, like a Christina Aguilera said, yeah, yeah oh. it's even it's a lot. Like, honestly, by the time that, that all happened, I was kind of, I remember just being like a little disappointed that he goes back to her. Like, I'm, yeah. like stay with Dana Gordon, bro. But yeah, I mean, the, the movie... I'm sure you're going to do a movie episode. But the movie, hey, You know what? If you have time, let's talk, let's no, talk the movie. I think the movie ends up being... The movie's not great either, but it, it's better than season eight. I completely agree with that statement. Yes, it does a better job of fleshing out the... Now, I don't know about like Vince wanting to be a director and all that, and like also Ari being <laughs> the CEO of Time Warner and being like, I'll help you get more money, Vince. <laughs> Anything else on the season six finale? Anything you know? You know where we are in the entree. You'll be back next season. We'll be Sean for a good one. Anytime, I yeah. Don't, I don't. I don't have any 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 favorites in season seven to to bring you back. Just whenever you want. But um, yeah, yeah, man. It just it holds up, and it's it is it's just so bittersweet for any show where yeah. you, you see the moment where it could have had like a perfect see like that's just such a a a high bar to clear like the perfect series finale and it is you know but again it's like that's all hindsight you know but it's all hindsight yeah we can't sit here and get angry that Doug Allen didn't end the show then when it was probably the highest rated show on HBO and HBO was like we'll finance two more seasons and a movie for you he's not gonna be well creatively I disagree (laughs) that's just the the feeling was out there man I remember just because you know being a tv guy you had people that Mm -hmm. casually watched that would always ask me for like trade shit and I I definitely got hit up a lot at this time like asked was like was that the series finale like that was the last episode right you know it, it just it just felt that way this has been a ton of fun Thank yeah. you for joining us again. We'll have you bad. Where can they? Where can the listeners find you? Follow you? Uh, the Summer Man, Twitter and IG. Have a happy holidays, Frazier. Have a happy holidays to everybody listening, and I will talk to you in the spring. Good to see you, bro. Wow, you guys, down for the count. Which one of us do you think will be next? I have no idea, Johnny. <laughs> It's the thought of a ride that make my eyes wide. I'm caught up, I'm trying to make all of my dreams materialize. So I sort of say my goodbyes to the straight and narrow. I found the new route, you got to see my life change. I make the means justify the ends. I make the cream materialize, keys to a bins. And so I'm rolling for now. I bought a black Mac, I'm out of control, losing bank rolls on blackjack. You gotta know it always cost my mind at best. Be tapping the lines like Gregory Hines. Still on the phone, discussing my biz like it can never be mine. I know the price, know the risk, know the wrongs, and the right. Still my blood flows, ice, it's just my life. What's the meaning?